Welcome to Forum Passion, episode 70. I want to thank everybody that's here. That's uh, I think for this one in particular, this one's going to be an episode with um, a lot of new listeners. And uh, so if this is your first time kind of coming on to our main feed, welcome. You know, thanks for joining us. Uh, you know, I, I don't do a description of this podcast for every episode, but I think for this one, I will. Uh, this podcast is an interview podcast in which we interview people that are uh, that that shape and have been shaped by hardcore punk and metal music. Um, if that seems like something that's your bag, you know, all of our main feed episodes are free um, on wherever you listen to podcasts, wherever you're listening to this podcast right now, uh, you can, you know, you, you can pick that up. We have additional episodes as well. If you enjoy this episode and want to support us for $2 a month, you're going to get an additional episode sent to your email on the last Friday of each month. Um, you can get that additional episode and subscribe to that at www.patreon.com slash forum of passion over there. It's not really as much like interview stuff. We do get guests on for most of those episodes, but we'll talk about like shows, records, festivals, you know, speculative stuff, analyzing, you know, like records events just it, it's it's all sorts of different things over there we've got a back catalog of about 30 to 40 episodes of that if you subscribe today um also one of the things that we do is we send a shout out to everybody that has subscribed since the last episode uh, as well at the top of each of the mainline feeds so if you subscribe and uh you know and you got a band or something like that let me know and I, i'll send it a shout out here in the beginning if i recognize the name i usually try to send a shout out to whatever band or project people are in um that you know join our you know join us over on patreon um shout out initially this week it goes to brian dayrit thank you brian uh, next up uh this guy's the champion michael durrett aka mike dirt he's in Golly, the, the list is long. Gulch, Drain. Uh, he's in Lead Dream. He's in, I'm like, a Tsunami. Um, he's, he really holds it down, you know, here in the Bay. I'm sure, I am legitimately sure he's in other bands. He might be in Hands of God. I don't know. But I feel like uh, around the Bay Area, it's, it's like if you have a band, he somehow ends up in it. Shout out Mike Dirt. Great dude. And last but not least, Stephen McLean. Again, uh, if you want to subscribe to the additional episodes, do that over at www.patreon.com slash forum of passion. Um, you know, today I have on somebody that uh, is, you know, I, I, I found it surprising when we were talking kind of like pre-pro, you know, off air and, and everything that, uh, that they've never done a, a podcast before. And uh, number one, I'm honored that, you know, he's allowing us to interview him over here at Forum. And and two, that, that's that's just kind of wild to me because, you know, this is a person that's like magnanimous and, and has had a really big impact individually in the genre of pop punk. And, and it's not, I value every single person we interview on Forum, but it's not like every single person that we have on here, myself included, has like a, like impacts an entire genre, I feel like the way that this person has. Um, and you know, I'm very interested to, you know, get the backstory uh, on this person, learn how they, you know, rose to the, the position that they're in. And, and also kind of like, I, I see that they're kind of going uh, into a, a positive and different direction in the future. And I'm curious kind of as to, as to sort of that bend in the river and how, you know, that came to be. 
But uh, today we have on Mr. Parker Cannon. Sir, how are you doing? What's up, man? I'm doing good. Wonderful. Doing good. Uh, wonderful. I, uh, I, I understand uh, you're, you're in Oakland, yes? I am. Yes, I am. That's right across the bridge for me, man. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. I've, it's funny that uh, Harry and Pat were here and they went to your, your place for the Super Bowl. And I, I didn't even realize that you lived here, bro. It's crazy. A few months ago, uh, I moved in here with my girlfriend and I just been bouncing back. Like I saw you at the Richmond show, but I yeah. just guess it's because I've just been bouncing back and forth um, for yeah. like the past few months. But, uh, you know, but they told me that you, you got a nice spot over there. Um, and I was yeah, like, it's oh, nice, awesome. man. I've been here for, I think, like almost four years now in this apartment in Oakland. And uh, I love it, man. It's a really nice area and lots of good food around. And it's quiet. Yeah, it's That's awesome, true. man. Hell yeah. I like it. I mean, like, I like it over there, um, for sure. Like, I, and I like my, I find myself over like that way, you know, like pretty often. Uh, and you know, and I always, I always knew that you were like, you know, like via story so far, were from California, but you know, not having like taken a deep dive into obviously your personal life or anything, I, I just for whatever reason didn't assume that it was it was up this direction. Uh, I, I know that the band is originally based out of Walnut Creek, correct? That is correct. Yeah. Are you, is that where you originally grew up or did you migrate there at some point? It is. That's, that's, uh, that's my hometown. It's where I grew up and it's about 20, 25, 20 or 25 minutes east of Oakland through the Calicot tunnel. Mm-hmm. And it's a nice little, uh, it's a nice little suburb kind of just tucked right under this mountain called Mount Diablo. I've, I've and, driven uh, through the tunnel and everything, you know, going out like that direction, just kind of exploring the area. Uh, yeah. You know, is, was like your family originally from there as well? Or did, did they kind of like end up there, you know, via, you know, via somewhere else? I, I always find it kind of interesting, like whether or not people have like deep, deep roots where they are, or is this kind of like a, like a first generation in an area? Yeah. So I was actually born in Greensboro, North Carolina. For real? And my, yeah, yeah. Oh, I got family there. Yeah, all right. Yeah, man. Yeah. So I was I was originally born there, and uh, my family lived there for, I want to say, a year, a year and a half after I was born, and then we moved to Jersey, and we lived in New Jersey until I was, I think, two or two and a half, mm-hmm. and then uh, my dad, he was working for a company called Charles Schwab at the time. Oh yeah. And, uh, he was just like, you know, I really want to move West. I've always wanted to. And my mom was just, she was fucking sick of the East coast weather. So she was like, let's do it. <laughs> so I packed up everything and just kind of moved to San Francisco and, um, lived there in the city for like, I want to say two, two years or so. And then moved out to the suburbs once they, uh, once they had my little brother, and then, like, they just needed some more space to, like, raise us and whatnot and wanted to get away from the city life kind of thing. So then I grew up in Walnut Creek from the earliest I can remember. It's probably, like, age four to 18 I was there, I want to say. Yeah. So that's, that like, where, that's where the core of my childhood was. was. I was going to say that makes sense because it, it, it's, like, I, I, can't, I can't imagine having, like, raising a family, like, like a, like a bigger, bigger, you know, more than one kid in the city, you know, like it, it, I feel like it would be, it would be tough. So I I see why they migrated. Yeah. 
are you? There was nice, and there was some good schools around uh, sure. the Mona Creek too that they were they were super interested in, and so that was uh, that was that. Just wanted are to get you, out of the city, and then are you I grew one up of there. two, or there, you have more siblings? I am a middle child, so I have mm-hmm. an older brother uh, named Josh, and then a younger brother named Colby, and we're pretty close in age. I want to say my older brother and I are like a year apart. And then my little brother, I'm a little bit older than him. I'm like four years older than him, mm-hmm. but we're still pretty close. I always ask people this because I feel like this is kind of um, not always par for the course necessarily, but can be a factor. Your brothers, either of them, you know, were, were either of them musical from like an early age? Did they like put you on to stuff when you were younger or, or were their tastes kind of different than yours? Uh, their tastes were a little bit different than mine. I mean, my older brother... He actually was into like Blink and like uh, like Newfound, like anything that was kind of like kind of peppered into the the jock subculture of like you know like oh I like rock music too kind of thing. Sure. So he kind of like he kind of was into those. Well, I guess I could say mainstream bands. So I, I learned a little bit from him, but for the most part, most of the music that I listened to or learned was from my father. He was a big. Really? Big music head, yeah. He loved what, it, man. What kind of stuff was your, your dad putting you onto when you were younger? Everything from like classic rock to like Talking Heads to like mm. NXS to like just just all over the spectrum kind of thing. Like he even liked ABBA, you know what I'm saying? Like he liked, yeah. he liked anything yeah. really. It's the yeah. good shit right there. Uh, <laughs> like. It, was it was he like did like did he like play instruments? Was like was that kind of his vibe, or was he just more of like an appreciator? Yeah, he actually he played drums when he was younger, and then like I never saw him play like a kit at our house or anything. But he always like I could always tell he knew a little bit of drums, like just from his rhythm, like how he would like you know drum on his steering wheel or drum on the table or something. Mm-hmm. And then when I finally got into like playing instruments around, I want to say like like 12 or 13, uh, he got me a drum set and then just sat down on it the first day and just started just like laying down beats. And I was kind of like in shock. I didn't know that he could play like that. that that. (laughs) Yeah, it was so cool, man. It it definitely, it kicked the tires a little bit. It was, it was cool. That was your first instrument drums. Uh, it was a little bit of drums. My first instrument, my first instrument was actually, this is going to be kind of funny. My first instrument was actually the flute. A little known fact. Yeah. I, uh, yeah, exactly. My mom, my mom was like big on like, you're gonna, you're gonna play in the school band. You're gonna learn music like for real kind of thing. Cause I was already like in her ear about wanting to start a band. She's like, if you want to start a band, you got to learn music in the class. So I, I had to take band and uh, I don't know why I picked the flute. I just was like, yeah, I, it's, it's easy, I guess. And then sure. came to learn that it wasn't that easy. Yeah. So I had a, I had kind of a tricky time with it and, you know, I just didn't really like that much. So I switched to trumpet and then I really liked playing trumpet. So I did that from like, I think like grade four to like grade six, I want to say. Okay. I was going to ask then, when, uh, when this was. Yeah. It was like, it was like fourth grade to like sixth grade. And then I finally just like went to her. I was like, mom, I paid my dues with this fucking music class <laughs> bullshit. Like, please <laughs> let me get a guitar. Like, let me get a, let me get something that's that I enjoy to play. And for my 13th birthday, she bought me a, uh, she bought me a Squire bullet. <laughs> okay. Classic, uh, okay. hundred dollar electric guitar. And I, Many fucking, wonderful I music careers have been started on a Squire. Hell yeah. I was so happy, man. Yeah. I, I, a little, little Squire bullet and then a crate MX 10 little amp. 
and that was it, bro. So you started, lad. yeah, I started jamming every day, and it was awesome. And then I think, I think like a couple months after that, I got that drum set. So you said you were in your mom's ear about starting a band like pretty early on, like being like nine or, or something of that nature. At that age, like what kind of band did you want to start? Man, I wanted to start. I wanted to start the exact bands I'm in right now, which is kind of crazy sick. to say. That's it's awesome crazy that you were that age. <laughs> it's crazy to say, bro, for real. Because I mean, I just remember watching MTV or Fuse or VH1, mm-hmm. and you know, like that was like prime era of Blink, Sum 41, Newfound Glory, like all those bands really going hard in terms of putting out videos and just just being at the forefront of that genre, you know, and yep. and really pushing it. And I don't know, I just would, I would just watch their videos like every day on TV. And every time I would see them, I'd just be like, man, I, I know I'm going to do that. Like, I, I just know I'm going to do something like that I, when I get the chance. At so. that age. Um, was, um, it, was this like 2003-ish? Like, like yeah, two, I think kind of like that time period? Kind of like 2002. Yeah, 2001, okay. 2002. Right around the, uh, right around the new millennium. Cause I, my mom had a, my mom had a, she had a little get together for like the, the millennium new year's Eve party. Cause it was, sure. you know, it was like a big, big deal back then. And, and so everyone came over and I remember that year, I can't remember which news network it was. But it was one of the major ones and they had blink play, um, just like the new year's Eve party, like the live yeah. show. And I remember being too young to like stay up to midnight. Right. Cause I had, I had a strict mom. She, she had a bedtime for me and everything for a, sure. a while. So I'd be like, mom, like, please, please let me stay up so I can watch this blink show on TV. And she did. She let me watch it. And I think, I think from that very point on, I was like, yep, that's, that's what I'm going to do. How like away from like, I mean, in, in, it, it away from, cause I remember at that time, 99, uh, I, I believe is when what's my age again was a single, um, and like that, like really like, like got that band into like kind of like the forefront of, of like mainstream music. Um, from what I remember, I'm also nine at that age. So it, it's, it's like, I just remember like, like that was my first encounter. So I, I could be dead wrong about that. But was, was that kind of how you like found kind of like pop punk music? Was it, was it just through television and radio or had somebody shown you this? Um, I think it was a combination of both. I remember going down, to uh <laughs> excuse me la i think around redondo beach area um mm-hmm. my dad's sister at the time with my aunt she was like the youngest she was like my youngest relative and like she was like the cool relative like she's the one i really only like talked to and, and hung out with or wanted to go see kind of thing I, w- I wasn't really too close with other members of my family but i went down to go see her with with my dad and my mom and she had just started uh, dating, like seriously dating my uncle, my now uncle, um, his name is Paulo. And he was just like this surf rat from down South. And he, I remember walking into his place where she was staying at the time. And he just had like tons of surfboards stacked up and then like tons of CDs stacked up, like all, all along the wall. And I just went through the first stack and it was just every single, every single blink CD right there. Mm. And, you know, I had been in like Target and like, uh, you know, Tower Records before and I'd seen some CDs, but I'd never really seen like, like a real collection of someone's CDs before. I was still just kind of young. And that I remember like being like, oh man, like that's so sick that this dude 
you know, he's, he's, he's like down here living this crazy life. And like, he's like a surfer and like, he can, he can listen to this cool shit. And like, I just, I remember being like, wow, I want to do that too. I want to, I want to put out CDs that someone can collect too. And then like, and then during that time too, on the radio was, I mean, what's my aging? I was on like, like every fucking day. Yes. Same with uh, sure. all the small things. And like, Oh yeah. So, so I remember like being, in the car with my mom and just being like, yo mom, please turn it up. Like just wait like all day just for that one song. And, um, so I think it was just a combination of, of her and like her boyfriend, who's now my uncle and just the radio and TV at the time, just really kind of pushing that, that narrative. And I fell in love with it. Sure. No. So, and like, so that, that makes sense. It's like, cause I remember it's like, I feel like all, not all, but a lot of my friends, were really digging on that sound at the time. Like I remember like going to like wrestling camp, like right around then. And like the guy I was dorming with was like really into newfound glory and like listened to them the entire time we were there. Um, like some 41, I remember being like really popping at, at that time as well. There was like, there was a definite boom right then of, of that sound. And it's cool that you were like so young and just being like, that's, that's what I'm going to do. So, when you got these and you got the guitar and the drums, like, had you already started kind of like, like, had you been like going to gigs or anything like that? Or was it just kind of, or was it maybe like the strictness of your mom kind of like kept you from doing that? No. Yeah, it was exactly that. I mean, I, mm -hmm. I had a couple friends who were, who were like kind of dipping their toes into going to shows and just talking to people in bands and whatnot. And like, um, you know, every show that would come around, I was still just a little bit too young. Like I was for like, yeah, I was still like 13 and I don't know. I just, I didn't really start going to shows until I want to say 15. Okay. Um, and, um, sorry, I just lost my train of thought. Yeah, okay. you I started going to shows at 15? Yeah, I started going to shows at 15 and, um, that's when I really started to like meet different people in bands, older kids in bands who went to my high school or different high schools or just didn't go to school at all. And like, um, just started getting the ball rolling inside my head of like how to really go about it, how to like, you know, start a band, how to like go record music, how to talk to someone to go put on a show kind of thing. So I, I want to say it was around, around like 15, right when I got my learner's permit for my, uh, for my license and I could start driving sense. my myself, you know, cause I, <laughs> no one wants to get, dropped off at the show by their mom. Oh, sure. I mean, but yo, here, here's the thing. For anybody that's listening that's younger, there's there's no There's disrespect. nothing wrong with it. <laughs> honestly, honestly, you might feel embarrassed about that right now, but that shit's cool. That, you know, yes. you know in, in a way. If your parents yes. are, are down to do that, that rocks. It, um, it definitely rocks. It definitely but, rocks. Uh, so, okay, so so you, you get older, you get a, like, a little more autonomous is what it sounds like. And then you're able to kind of like seek out things on your own. What were some of like the first shows that you were going to? So where I was from at the time, there was a band called set your goals. That was oh, really yeah. just starting to do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just really starting to do big shows and like, and, and they were big, but they were still hardcore shows. And Definitely. I, I, at the time I didn't even, I didn't have any idea what hardcore music was. Like I knew, I knew there was metal music. I knew there was, punk music that was like you know a little bit edgier than than the rock i liked but mm -hmm. i really didn't have any idea of what hardcore music was or like the environment or the type of show 
that it was until I started going to set your goal shows because they kind of just strictly played with hardcore bands because that was the kind of show that they wanted to curate. I remember. That was the type of, yeah, that yeah. was just the type of set that they wanted to play. And so I started learning about a bunch of new bands just from going to set your goal shows, like uh, bands like Alcatraz, bands yeah. like uh, Animosity. Um, oh, yeah. It's so funny you bring up Animosity. Everybody, I, like, not everybody, but um, a lot of people that I meet here really cite Animosity as Dude, animosity like, is a big unreal deal for yeah. them. Yeah. Unreal Bay legends of music. I mean, just yeah. in terms of being probably like the best musicians to ever be in a band out of the Bay. And then and just, I like, know, had never heard of them until I came here to be real. Like I like didn't yeah. know about it at all. And it's just kind of like this, it, it's like this secret sort of thing. For, it's a very niche band. Yeah. yeah. For the Bay. Yeah. But um, they were awesome. And like, kind of just like opened my eyes to that entire scene. There was also another hardcore band from the area that never really gained any serious attention, but they were called Gunsmoke. Okay. And they were fucking so cool, man. So cool. And I remember like one of the first shows that I went to was, was that it was Gunsmoke, Set Your Goals. And I think another band called Worlds Apart played. And, um, yeah, it was just wild. It was just wild. It changed my life, you know, like seeing that many people, that many kids just kind of going crazy, but, and like hurting each other, but not really hurting each other, you know, like sure. kind of being down with it and just have that whole like, uh, community aspect of it inside of a show of people who maybe didn't even know each other at all but during those you know 30 35 minutes of the set they were the best of friends and that was just like kind of incredible to me very poetic uh, at at that time when you were going to see set your goals because because when I, that was the thing is i was like you know and still am pretty particular about like the pop oriented stuff like in the greater realm of alternative music that I'm into. But I remember as a kid, a band that I, like, I was like, oh no, I'm down with this was set your goals. Um, around the time that you were seeing them is mutiny out or is it still Goonies never say die or. So it like, was, I, it was still reset time. Yeah. Like when I first oh, got shit. Okay, reset still reset that's, era. The that's the name. Yeah. yeah I forgot. Yeah. So it was um, like still reset era, which was, I, I'm sure, you know, you've listened to it. It's, it's damn near just a hardcore record. It's, it's, it's it has singing elements in it. I liked like, it. Yeah, like, yeah. Because it's got those. It's got those like quick tempo changes. Mm -hmm. um, kind of just like in your face honesty in in terms of lyrics and whatnot. Um, yep. And quick songs, you know, like because before that I was just used to that pop formula of like intro, verse, chorus, verse, chorus, outro kind of thing. Yep. And that just is, you know, it's it exists in hardcore, but it, at the same time, it's not really adhered to as hard as other genres because there's just more raw energy inside of it. And that was something that really kind of was like, just made me think differently about music and about how I wanted to like write it to, to be able to create that kind of connection. You know, and I'm glad it's like, I'm glad you're like saying all this because before this interview, I was, I was thinking, I was like, you know, I was like being from like around this area, I was like, and, and based on the bands that Parker would go on to do, I imagine set your goals was some kind of, was some kind of influence and to kind oh, of, hear yeah. the, that's sort of like the band that like, you know, kind of opened up like, like a gateway for you. I'm like, yep. Makes complete sense for, 
even even though like and, and you and, and you might refute this i'm just i kind of like sing as a listener i hear more uh set your goals and maybe stories so far than i do in no pressure but i hear it in both for sure um, yes this that's a very good uh that's yeah. a good observation because i that's just the same stuff i'm trying to channel in a way sure inside sure. of inside of no pressure stuff because i mean in reality that's just really what got me fucking stoked to like go do it you know like just go play and like kind of just hang out you know and like be around people that have the same vision and like um you just just have that wherewithal to go do it and um and the reason i say set your goals too is because the original guitarist in our band before will levy joined was kevin ambrose who is mike ambrose's little brother and mike ambrose was the drummer of set your goals Okay, because I remember that name. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Damn. Look at that. So that's like kind of that's kind of where the link was of how we got of how I got into that world was that when I started jamming with Kevin and, and Story So Far, you know, K Bros every weekend was like, oh, we're going to the Sarah Gold Show, we're going to this show, like come come hang out or come over to my house, like you know, Mike's over here, we can just go <laughs> raid his room for for <laughs> merch and and records and shit, and uh, and it's it's crazy now too because Mike is actually playing with story so far now because Ryan is, he's had some trouble with his hip mm-hmm. had to get a couple of different surgeries. So he's been a, unable to drum as frequently. Like he can still drum, but he can't really do like touring drumming sure. um, right now. So Mike is, is filling in for us. And it's just like this crazy, it's this crazy full circle uh, moment for us. Cause I mean, this dude really kind of started us on our journey. And now he's kind of back with us playing, which is, it's just fucking sick, man. It's great. Yeah. I mean, I'm about to say, it's like, how does that feel? Like, you know, kind of like. <laughs> it honestly like, is amazing. Because yeah. he's just such a, he, he's, he's such a sick dude too. Like he really, uh, he really went around the world with set your goals and, and did it huge. And he's just still the same dude. He's very humble. I mean, Love he's that. a woodworker. He's like an excellent woodworker. Fuck yeah. Um, I wish I had that kind just, of ability. I <laughs> know. So that type of uh, that type of uh, tangible work, <laughs> mm-hmm. but like you know, he's a he's just a great dude, and to have him drum with us and like it, it really is full circle. It's very weird, honestly. So, and like we're still we still keep in touch with K Bros. You know, he uh, he went on to go to school when he didn't want to do story so far. That's when Will joined, so he went on to college, and then but we still kept in touch with him. Like we're still good friends, and so it's it's a it's a it's a weird full circle thing with the Ambrose family. So I got I got to shout out the Ambrose family for shout him out. I, mean, for helping I, us, I, yeah. I love kind of like, like I said, I referenced earlier, the kind of the poetic nature of that is this like, you know, it's you, because like, and the, and the thing is, is like that doesn't happen in like every in every world, but it, it does happen within kind of like what well, I'll just say this is a, a blanket term within kind of like the hardcore world where like the people that you look up to a lot of the time are um, they're within arm's reach. Like it, totally. it, it's like, you know, and, and not in a way where it's like, you could just go talk to them or whatever. Cause obviously you can do that. You, you could do that with, with other genres of music as well, but they're within the arm's reach where it's like, if you're creating or something like that and you're influenced by somebody, the, there is a percentage, there is a chance that that person could like hear your stuff or interact with you or whatever and be like, Oh, I'm, I'm like, 
I can tell that you're influenced by like things that I've done. I, I now kind of want to be involved with you. And it kind of harps back to like the community aspect you were talking about earlier. Um, that, that's a great point because, because yeah. liking, you know, like the, the genre of pop punk starting out of big bands, right. That were like, you know, commercial, huge bands. It was like, I, even though I wanted to make that music, I, I kind of, I knew, I kind of knew like I would never, I never be able to like meet them. You know what I mean? Or like, you know, like show my shit or like play a sure. show with them. And they were so big. But when I got into hardcore, it was like, yo man, all my favorite bands and like people I look up to are exactly what you said. They're, they're within, within arm's reach. Like I could just go say, what's up, you know, or if I'm, if I'm working on my shit and I put it out, I know that they're going to hear it, you know, yep. which is just, it's so cool. It's so, it's, cool. it's so like rewarding, you know, in, in a, in a special way to have someone who's older than you in a band come to you and be like, Hey bro, like that shit you put out was tight, man. Like we should play a show. Like I remember the first time someone said that to me, I was like, Holy shit. Like no way. Like I'm down. Bro. Let's, let's do a whole tour. What was the scenario? I think it was actually Mike. Hell yeah. <laughs> Mike from, from, yeah. He just, he like, we put out our demo and then he was like, I think he was just like about to head out for a tour one night at the Ambrose's house. And, we were over there and he was like, Hey, you guys like heard your shit. Sounds dope. <laughs> and that was like all he said, but we were like, Holy shit. That's oh awesome. My God. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, it's just, it's cool. It's cool to like, cause you know how people are like, Oh, never meet your idols. Never meet your fucking idols. Like, I don't know, man, all the idols I met in, in my world of music and hardcore, like are people I still look up to people I still fuck with, you know? So and that's, and I that's, think that's, that's a very special thing. It is. I completely agree. You know, so to kind of get, get to the timeline you know you're you're seeing set your goals and you're going to the shows like locally and everything like when do you like create your i mean like is the story so far end up being your first band or did you do a few before that i had i had one band prior to story so far and uh it was like you know it was fun but it was it was nothing like how story ended up um, you know, kind of rolling along. It was more so just like this. We knew all, everyone in the band knew it was our first band. We sure. were like covering like census fail songs and shit. Like we were, I was still in that sort of adolescent, you know, emo stage that everyone goes through, which is like, it was just kind of pivotal for me to start going to different kinds of shows and then meet, you know, like uh, Kevin and Torf and Kellen and to have them be like, Oh man, like we heard your other band. And that shit's cool, but like we're jamming over here, and we would love for you to come jam with us and just see this kind of music that we're writing because we feel like you know this is the actual kind of music that you want to play. And I think it was like it was sophomore year of high school, so it was like 2007, and we used to practice at Ryan Torp's mom's house, so she lived like pretty close to our high school. So we just went over there one day after school, and they just kind of played me all the things they were jamming and I just picked up the mic and I just started singing like, like gibberish, but like, you know, like in like, uh, in key and whatnot, like trying yeah, to fuck around. Finding the vocal phrasing. I, I yeah, just kind of, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of finding my, my groove, man. And like, I uh, shit you not like it felt meant to be like right then. And I, I, from that point on, I was like, yeah, man, I'm done with it. I'm done with my, I mean, this is my band now, you know, and <laughs> I don't even think we, the other band. <laughs> it was called blind impression. And I hope 
people don't i hope people don't look it up too hard because man we fucking suck but it was pretty <laughs> funny here's the thing dude the fact that you were only in one not that great band before yeah, the band yeah. that would be like that career is... band is not that bad <laughs> yeah, that's true. i've that's interviewed true. a ton of people <laughs> on here and how and like how many people are just like yeah i was in like five garbage bands before like like the one hit so i got one yeah. and you were like 15 it's not that yeah bad. i was like i was like 14 yeah exactly i want to say yeah. you know so yeah. you you got 2007 starts yes okay guys, the, winner, the winner of 2007 okay so you guys start uh what was like like what was the process did you guys like record music first or did you start playing first so we just started jamming after school like pretty much every day mm-hmm. and then i think we we got together like five five or i think or six songs that we trimmed down to five we just cut one of them and then we went to uh this dude named john Lydon, who i think he was he was in a couple bands um from a city in a town called concord which was just the next town over from walnut creek yeah but he uh he was in like a couple different bands um but he also had recording stuff at his house like he would do local bands demos or just just small shit and in general and uh i forget how we came into contact with i think it was probably just through like myspace bro like straight up just sending a message on MySpace, like hey man like we want to record like is that cool and he was like yeah come through so we went over to his house. It was literally just like his mom's house in Concord, and up in his small little bedroom, he had like all he had like the like one of the first editions of Pro Tools. Remember, like the old one where it's like super super blocky and like took a long time to do everything. I, I barely no shortcuts it. yet. Like I, I remember uh, my friend Ian, um, Ian Hurdle. I uh, I think he yeah, I love Ian, bro. Ian did our our video. Yeah. Yeah, So I grew up with like Ian and I were getting into like hardcore and stuff at like the same time. He's like a few years younger than me, but we were like kind of on like the same path. Um, So a lot of my early, anything I did like really early, like the, like the garbage bands that I was in when I was in high school, Ian recorded them. I think with that very old version of pro tools. So I, I definitely remember like what, what you're talking about yeah so we just went to his mom's house recorded five songs that were just oh man they sounded like shit they were so over like compressed and <laughs> we were so stoked that we, we couldn't we couldn't believe that we had like stuff ready to record we're gonna because that was right at the time too when i know you remember like myspace was just really blowing up in terms oh, of yeah. sharing music and like oh, and bands just being able to being able to reach you know different coasts and then even different countries too um prior to that it was insanely hard to get your music heard by people even outside of your fucking town yeah Yeah, so it's like you know we kind of just right we were just right in that pocket of the internet exploding in that way and you know we put out our demo on our myspace and then i think it was like like a week or like two weeks went by and like we just started getting a bunch of different messages from people um just around town or like, you know, a couple towns over. A lot of people in Sac too, like Sac- shout out Sacramento in this venue called Branch Street that used oh, to be yeah. there. Oh yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, man, used to have awesome shows like all mm-hmm. the time. And that was a bit, that was like, 
that's just like another place that had another band that I fucking loved called Killing the Dream. And like, they were probably one of my first, they were like one of my first hardcore bands, first favorite hardcore bands I'd ever, ever listened to. And, um, I remember just going to, to shows at that, at that venue, Branch Street. I saw yeah. them there. I saw like a metal band called Embrace the End. They were dope too. Uh, just a bunch of different bands. And, uh, I remember the dude, he hit us up being like, do you guys want to play this show? That's coming through. And I think it was, I think it was like balance, balancing composure, title fight. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I want to say tiger Strong maybe it was like yeah. right when that, uh, that kind of run for cover arrow was popping off. Yeah. What is this? Oh, eight. Yeah. Something, I think like oh eight or oh nine. Something oh, like that. Oh nine would maybe make and, a little uh, more sense, but, um, actually, maybe it was 2010. Yeah. Maybe it that, was, would make or, the, that would make the most sense. Like, yeah. You know, um, I think I think that's it. My memory is a little hazy now, but I think it was 2010. You're right because it is that does make more sense. So if that's the case, what were you guys kind of doing in the interim between 07 to 10? Like you're 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 sort of like the remainder of your high school time. So we had this venue in Walnut Creek in downtown Walnut Creek called the Red House, mm-hmm. and it was like if you say that name of uh, to anyone from my my city like they'll just be like oh fuck i remember that fucking place like there's so many cool shows that went down there and it and the venue itself like it wasn't really that cool it was kind of like it was kind of corporate but it was small enough to have a bunch of different punk and hardcore shows go on and like (laughs) they always hated all of our crew when we would play shows there because i mean shit would just get fucked up yeah um but they would just you know they were they always let us play and, uh, so we would just, we would probably play there like every other weekend Damn. just with, uh, I remember there was a band from Lodi we used to play with all the time called second to last. Mm-hmm. And then, um, fuck man, I'm trying to remember. It's so long ago now, but I think yeah. like just a bunch of different local bands all the time. And then we would play and we kind of just started to get a couple more kids, a couple more kids at each show. And then, you know, like, I think it was, I think it was, I want to say like 2009, I think we played Red House where like I finally like convinced all of my, uh, I guess I'll call my jock friends, like people who just didn't really fuck with music, didn't really go to shows, didn't really know what was up. Finally convinced them like, Hey guys, I'm playing the show. Like, please come through. Like I promise it'll be dope. Like, please, please come through. And they all came and the show that night was just fucking crazy. Like, kids were diving. It was like one of the first times kids were like diving for us and like cool. just kind of getting into it. And I remember just like all of my friends who, who came, who weren't into it were, or weren't into the scene were just like, yo, like Parker, like this is fucking crazy, bro. Like you guys are like the biggest band. Like, <laughs> and there were probably like 50 kids in there going crazy, but it was just, sure, that's it so felt sick. so sick. It yeah. felt so cool. To like, you know, cause like, I think most, for most of my life too, I had kind of lived in my older brother's athletic shadow, so mm-hmm. to say. He was kind of just like the, he was the golden child in terms of playing sports. Like he was just naturally athletic at pretty much any sport he tried. And he was a really good swimmer, really good water polo player. And I swam and played water polo too, but I just, you know, I just wasn't, I wasn't near his caliber. And so for me to start playing shows that got people stoked was kind of like my, my athletic moment in a way to be like, Oh shit. Like 
I can do some really fucking well, something that you know, he probably can't do as well if he tried. Yeah. So it just felt, it felt pretty good to, to gain that confidence. And I think, you know, I, I think that confidence is really what spurred everything forward mm. in terms of wanting to keep playing shows and then wanting to like book a tour, you know, and just everything involving getting, even get, just getting on stage, you know, like it's, it's funny. I still have, fucking stage fright to this day <laughs> of different shows. And like, you know, like no matter how big it is, no matter how small it is, it's just that feeling that um, I hold pretty close to my heart. Sure. And, you know, kind of in, in regards to what you're saying, it's like, it's like you found like, Hey, like this is like my thing, you know, it's like kind of like what you said exactly. where it's like, you know, your, your brother excelled, you know, like athletically um, or in, in athletics and, and, you know, you know, like you, it's also an interesting thing too, is that you also participated in the same things that he did, which is kind of had probably had to like watch him be like a little bit better. And then you get to do oh, something yeah. that it's like, yo, you don't, you, you're not even participating in this. Exactly. Like, you don't have that ability, exactly. but I do, you know, kind exactly. of thing. And so, yeah, I'm sure that, that, that is a confidence boost. Like I'm sure that, that, that does bring it up seeing like your crowd kind of like grow and grow and grow. And, uh, and then getting people into what you're doing that like would, would probably just be like, like you referenced, like probably just like friends at school and stuff that like otherwise would like, you know, like not be there and finding it being, finding it cool, being like, this is cool. Like that, like, you know, you're, you're doing this, you know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and not just being like, not just being like, oh yeah, like good job, bro. Like, you know, like glad yeah. to see you doing your thing kind of thing. Like, no, like exactly. they were they were stoked, you know, if that's awesome. anything that they're like, we want to come to the next show. And I, yeah. I think that's also like a big part. I think that's a very big part of story so far is, is bridging that gap between kids who, you know, they do kind of like this style of music, but maybe they feel pressured or, or, you know, some sort of embarrassment to, to, to like it in front of other people hmm. and to see people come to the show like that and just be so stoked that that thought just leaves their mind completely. You know, like that was a very, that was a very rewarding thing. Cause I knew how that felt, you know what I mean? I knew how it felt to kind of be on the fringe, you know, not to cut, to still be kind of playing sports, but not really be totally into sports and wanting to find something different sure. and just liking, you know, different kinds of music that it kind of wasn't the, the status quo at the time because I remember you know rap was really kind of exploding in oh, terms of being dude. the the all popular genre right like at the, uh, that time especially like oh seven oh eight like Lil Wayne's like giant like I remember yeah. that, like there was like that that did really start becoming like the forefront of like popular music right about then yeah yeah you know and, and if you if you pulled up you know anywhere playing something that wasn't rap right you just kind of looked at a little weird maybe you were viewed as like oh who the fuck is this guy kind of thing sure so it felt it felt really good to be to be honest about what i loved and then to really like show people how cool it could be even if you didn't really know anything about it you know and you all started touring when you were in high school or was it just kind of like local stuff you like we were doing like we were doing trips up to like seattle and portland on like weekends and then I, and then like LA too on other weekends. So it's mainly just like West uh, or West, like West coast shit. Mm -hmm. And then I want to say like, 
summer after I graduated high school. So that was 2000, 2010. I graduated in 2010. So would that be the, would it be, yeah, it would be that summer, I think. Yeah. yeah. And we, uh, we did a full U.S. I think with, uh, I think it was I Call Fives, We Are the Union, and someone else. I can't remember who was on that tour, but I think that was our very first U.S. tour okay. where we bought our own van, which was like a GMC, uh, fuck, what was it called? I think it was like an Explorer or something. It was like a, sounds, a sweet, like about right. it was a sweet, dude, it was this sweet conversion van. It was like all white had like a fold down bed in the back that oh, like yeah. wasn't really too big, but it was just for us, it was like the pinnacle of luxury at the oh, time. Yes. Oh I had, yes. Cause you know, I'm sure you did too, but you know, you see all your friends bands come through in their vans and it's, they're just absolute beaters, like absolute pieces oh, of shit. Geez, so for yes. us to, to get something just with like lights on in the inside, we were like, fuck yeah, we Whoa, fucking made it. Lights on we in the inside, my man. <laughs> <laughs> like we made it. So Dude. we were stoked and, got ourselves a little trailer. I can't even remember where we got our fucking trailer. I think we just like borrowed it from someone and never gave it back. I really can't remember, but yeah, it was that summer that we went out and did our first full us. And, and then I, I was going to say, how, how had you gotten kind of like, like, are, do you guys have records out at this point or is it, is it just like, just kind of MySpace stuff, just sort of like CDR style? So it was, uh, we had like the, we had our EP out on MySpace mm-hmm. and then we had a split too, which was a big thing. We did this split with a band called Maker from Massachusetts. Oh yeah. And, um, I remember that band. Yeah. So that, that was like huge for us because that was, well, obviously, you know, you, you obviously get double promotion in a way because both mm-hmm. bands are putting it out in their respective areas. And at that time in mass, like, that type of music was just really fucking blowing up. Yeah. And so I, you know, I think when we put out the maker split was like our ability to go to these different States on the East coast and have people be like really stoked. And I think there was only like two or three songs on the split, you know, it was like barely any music, but they were just so, so stoked to see our set. And like, so that really changed the trajectory of the band, excuse me, that really changed the trajectory of the band in terms of being able to like play six shows, not only in California and to continue to tour and, okay. and just play six shows, you know? Yeah. I was, I was, I was kind of curious how like, okay, like how the connections, you know, sort of like been made. I remember maker. I remember seeing them, I think I want to say with like Joyce Manor, maybe like a year or two after this time period. Um, yeah. I'm sure my timeline of that is not great, but I do remember having seen that band at some point in time, did not know that y'all yeah. had a split, but, it, but it now, but that makes sense to me because it's like, you had this band that was kind of like, like you said, in new England, Boston, like mass, whatever, what have you, that sound was, was really popping it. Like, you know, at that time period. And it's like, I'm sure that kind of like that rising ship sort of elevated yours and got y'all on the ears of people that maybe like out East otherwise would maybe not have, you know, wouldn't, would, would have liked y'all, but maybe just to have, like have access to encountering y'all. Yeah, totally. because you know, the deal at that time, you talk about how MySpace definitely changed the game in, in regards to people having access to newer bands or whatever, but it still wasn't 
like it wasn't like a Spotify. It like wasn't like a no, perfect yeah. medium. Like there was still digging involved. Whereas like kind of like yeah, you had to go. You had to go search. You're right. It was more yeah. of like a because uh, because like you're right. Spotify definitely curates to your whatever you're listening to. Right, it'll show you new things. But with MySpace, you would just really have to go find a band. There was like, no yeah, way like that top eight. I know. Exactly. Yeah. So. So seeing friends, right? Like, so seeing your friends' bands and you go to their top band and be like, okay, who, who are my friends' bands, favorite bands kind of thing? Or who are they talking with? And then the web just kind of begins to spread. Yep. And it was just really, like, really important for all of our bands at that time to be able to start gaining steam in that way. And just to connect, you know, like, because you're right, like, prior to that, it was really just, you know, you play shows in your area and once you know everyone in your area, then that's it, you know, mm-hmm. and you're not going to go national unless you do something big, you know, or sign some big contract or get on a yeah. label board, you know, anything like that. So MySpace really kind of broke down that wall in terms of allowing bands to meet each other and to create things on their own terms, you know, and and say, start put the things. power in your own hands. Yeah. 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 Like you can put the whole tour through just MySpace. Hundred percent, dude. And that was like previously. That was so. That was so like. It's just like liberating, you know, Mm because because that whole that whole lead up of my musical knowledge up to that point was like, oh, I mean, you know, you got to be on a huge light. You gotta, you know, you gotta be like Blink. You know, that's the only way you're gonna make a band happen. And then it just wasn't the case. It was crazy to to learn that, you know. So you guys go on this full U.S. And like, you know, number one, how does it go? Number two, you know, this, how you talk about the spiderweb thing, did that turn into an opportunity for something, for something else? Yeah. Like the shows, I remember like the shows were fucking cool, man. That was, it was so sick. Cause I was pretty nervous going out of California and just playing shows and in places that we'd never been to. Like, whether it was Texas or like, I remember like there was this one, uh, this one venue in Springfield, Missouri called the lemon drop. Mm-hmm. And, uh, like when we pulled up there, I was like, there's not going to be anyone at this fucking show. Cause this is, this is prior to like Instagram too. So you, you don't even really know what's happening in the now yeah. kind of thing. There's no like, like current kind of feed of, of like things. Right. Things so you're just kind of like, yeah. 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 Or like how they're being received or, or whatever it is, like you, there's no comments, yeah, there's no nothing of anything like that. So I, we pulled up to this this venue, and I was like, "Man, there's not going to be anyone fucking here. Like this is this is a little like this is kind of sketchy. Like we're at, we're way out of our element." And bro, like it was probably the coolest show of that whole tour. Yeah. I still think about it to this day. There was like there's like 250 kids that came, or like 300 kids in this small little art space. That's so sick. And dude, it was wild, bro. It was like it, it was like like the videos of my favorite bands, like it was just my own thing of that. Like it was crazy. And so when that, when that started happening, like whether it was Springfield or like, uh, like Austin, Texas or like, or mass, you know, first time we played Boston was fucking insane too. And like, when that just, when that started happening too, like I think, you know, kids, they started to film shows too more and, Yes. And there's just more and more, there's more and more videos being taken and more and more photos being taken. Like I remember the first show we played on Long Island 
which was at the Ethical Humanist Society. Oh, yeah. And Harry and I talk about this all the time. Mm-hmm. Harry and I talk about this all the time because Harry was there. He was like, he was one of the, the core dudes getting everyone to that show being like, yo, like, we got to go see this band called Story So Far. Like, we got to go see him. We got to go see him. And when we pulled up there, dude, there was like, like 350 kids or oh, something like that. Long Island is strong. That, that I'm was not strong, man. It, and, and these kids too, like they just, they took us in like we were family. It was, it was fucking insane, dude. And that show still to this day, I think about, cause I mean, Harry was diving. Tim was diving. Like all these, all these kids were just diving, going crazy. And then we all hung out after the show and like kind of just kicked bullshit and then made plans, you know, like, yo, when are you guys coming back kind of thing? So it was just, it was so special, man. And so, you know, you guys come home from this and you've, you've met people, you've experienced good gigs. First full U.S. and you're playing, playing to like 200 to 300 people that like at so many spots, that's awesome. So you, it's like, you've seen that it's like, okay, like, like we can, we can do this. Uh, you know, kind of like what was, what was next? I, I imagine some, like some kind of record attention would have to, be the next step. Yeah. So I, I might've, I might've missed on this part of the timeline. I think we had already put out our first full length. Okay. My memory is terrible. So you're going to have to bear with me, but I, I think, mean, yo, I'm it's, pretty it's sure tough. at that yeah, time, I, <laughs> I think at that time on that tour, we had like, I think we put it out on the tour, which was our first full length called under soil and dirt. Mm-hmm. And that was like, once that kind of hit the internet and, MySpace especially, like people, it just really kind of blew up. And that was a huge boost for our shows because kids were just so stoked on these songs. And it was crazy too because we hadn't even really played the songs yet live for anyone. Excuse me. (coughs) We hadn't really played them yet together. And the first times we were playing them, they were just going off. Like like kids knew the songs better than I did kind of thing. It was was wild. And I think... (laughs) And I think that, you know, that was a huge thing for when we came home from that. I was like, well, we got it. We got to make another record for sure. You know? So, okay. And how, how the first one that had come out, um, was, I mean, was the, like, I, I did some research beforehand. The first one wasn't pure noise. That was the second one. Or was the first one on pure noise? Uh, the first full length was on pure noise. Okay. Um, the split, Actually, I think the split was on Pure Noise too. How did yeah, that relationship our, come about? So, Jake Round was the owner of Pure Noise. He was a fucking solid dude. He's one of my best friends in the whole entire game. And he um, he was just in a bunch of different bands growing up, like where we were from. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was in a band. Um, fuck, I'm forgetting his fucking band right now. <laughs> fuck I'm totally forgetting his band right he's gonna fucking kill me for this or not he'll probably be like thank you for not remembering it but yeah. um anyways he was just in, I mean he was in a bunch of different bands and he was just involved in shows and I, I don't really remember how we met him specifically I think it was just at a show like he was we just played a show together and just kind of started talking about bullshit and he was just like hey man like I, I think I'm gonna start a record label and at the time we were kind of like, you know, like we had heard of run for cover. We had heard of, of the other kind of smaller independent labels, but that were gaining steam. Mm-hmm. And we were like stoked on it. But at the same time, you know, we didn't know 
we didn't know any of those people. And we also had all been like, you know, a little bit educated in terms of how shady the music business is. And sure. so we knew we didn't want to go with someone that we weren't comfortable with or weren't friends with. And so when Jake said he wanted to start a record label, I was just like, dude, we'll fucking, we'll put out whatever we can with you if you'll have us. And he was, uh, he was gracious enough to, you know, get to like loan us money to record under soil and dirt and then put out the physical of it, like just vinyl and, and CDs. And, and he had just gotten like one of his first, I think like one of his first licensing deals to get CDs in stores and whatnot. And, oh, you know, to really start pushing, he was going you know, hard his, early. Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, like really hard. And, um, so I think, so I think around that time he was just like, yeah, man, like I see you guys are, are doing your thing and I'm not going to try and change anything about your band. I just literally want to help you put out your music and reach more people. And that was it. That was all I needed to hear from him in, in that kind of aspect. And I was like, yeah, man, I'm fucking down. So I think it was from that point on, we kind of just put out everything with him. We didn't really even really think about it, you know, because we had been talked to by a couple other different labels and whatnot, and, you know, given the runaround and, and all that shit. But Jake never, ever did that. And he was just fucking down. You know, what's interesting about this is that, so you're talking about starting out with Pure Noise at a time period where Pure Noise has not, they're not Pure Noise records yet, so to speak. Like, it's like, they're, it's, you know, it, it's new and you guys are new. Yeah, they were, at, and so, his first name was Pure Noise Entertainment. <laughs> they it wasn't so even it's records. Like, yeah. It's like what that, you know, what that kind of shows and how you've always put your records with them. This is an interesting thing. I love to see the bands that kind of like make a label and, and like, as, and like, and like the, as a label grows, that label helps make that band kind of like a, like a symbiotic relationship. And so yes, it's interesting totally. to see that. Like, okay. Story so far was one of those bands for pure noise. Um, just being on, on the ground level. Um, and so it makes totally. sense that you've, you've always stuck around, you know, like with them, cause they've always done right by it. Um, you know, he's, so, he's always done right. And he, you know, he's never given us any sort of like any sort of pressure in terms of what we need to put out or what we should put out or when cool. we should put something out. You know, he's always just been like, you guys know what you're fucking doing. I'm going to sit back and you come to me when your shit's done and we'll put it out. And that was just like the coolest for, for, for him to say that to me. Yeah. It's like, I wish I fucking wish every person I knew in music could have that opportunity because it, it just opened so many doors for me, you know, like changed my life in, in that sort of, uh, like, you know, like just teamwork kind of way. Yeah. Like, well, it's, it sounds like it's a very mutually like beneficial type situation and you're working with a friend and it, they're, it's like, like-minded. It's not like you're like in some corporate contract where they're like, we need record. We need sophomore album by this date. We, you know, we need masters yeah. art by this, you know, it's not like that. Yeah. Um, and you know, and I cool. think it's because I, I, I believe it's because Jake was in bands, you know what I mean? Like he, yeah. he spent time in the van. He, he knew just how rigorous shit was and just how, how much effort it really took to make your band. What, not only what you want, what you should achieve kind of thing. And he, yeah. So I think that's kind of what set him apart 
from other people starting out in the music business. Because I mean, other people who start in the music business, are, I mean, they just they're just focused on money. You know what I mean? That's the only thing that's pushing them forward through that. And for him to kind of just really be on the on the front lines of shit and then go do it is what gave him a deeper perspective and appreciation for bands and especially our band. And I think, I think that's why he's been so successful. Well, I, I'm, I'm sure it is. And, you know, so, so you guys have at this point, 2010, 2011, you guys have put out, you know, a full length record. You got plans for the next one. You've done like a full U S tour, you know, from from the, like you know what was the what was the next move you know like kind of like where were collectively were, were y'all's heads at um fuck, i'm trying to remember so i think we came home and i think we i think we came home and had england booked i think so so there was a band from new jersey called man overboard oh yeah that was just really yeah they were going hard um, in our genre mm-hmm. and uh, we I think we had an, an, a UK tour booked with them that was the first time that we were ever going to go to the UK and so we got home from that US tour prepared for that UK leg and then went out there and started that and that tour man fucking changed my life too like being able to play England for the first time and not only play but have the shows just be fucking bonkers man like they were those kids went so hard at so many of the shows. Excuse me. Oh, excuse me. Yeah. But like, excuse me. But um, like, so I think the first show of that tour was in Leeds. And uh, I remember meeting Nick and Zach outside. I'd never met him before. And Nick was just like, yo, <laughs> like, yo, Parker, like you, you in the story so far. Huh? And I was like, yeah, man, what's up? And we just kind of kicked it and bullshitted until their set. They played a fucking awesome set. We played a great set. And then we just kind of like, we just hung out every day on that tour. Um, and play, I think it was like, like 12, 13 shows just in England, bro. Like we went all crazy. over it. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Like, like crazy, like all the way Jesus. up, all the way down. Yeah. And, um, and Jake was actually on that tour with us, which is hella okay. sick. Like, That's he awesome. just came on that tour. And, um, you know, it was just another thing solidifying his, his place in my heart in terms of, you know, being a down dude. But, you know, we play those shows in England, and they were just, they were fucking crazy. And um, I think after, after that, because there was just so much, there was so much video content being filmed and, and putting yeah. online, right? I think, because I think, Instagram was in full swing by this time. It wasn't really in full swing, but it was like, it was really it was, starting to take over. It was the thing, in terms of, like, what, what is this, yeah, 2012 like, or something? Yes, yes, 2012. Okay. So it was kind of like, you know, it was, it was in its early stages, but still a, a major kind of feed thing for people to look in on things from different places of the world. Mm-hmm. And so the, a lot of videos from shows, a lot of photos just kept circulating and just kind of, made our snowball like kind of keep rolling down the hill and getting bigger and bigger and um i think the offer for warp tour came in after that after that english tour i think i, I hope i'm getting my timeline right I, my memory is awful but i think that that's when we got the offer for warp tour and that was 2013 i think 
was the first yeah. year we did Warp Tour. And that was just, that was, that was a big turning point for our band. Yeah, how did sure. that feel for you? I mean, like, I imagine, like, every band you listened to when you were younger was, like, they were, like, prime Warp Tour bands, you know? Oh, so, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, what was that? I mean, it was, what, it was, how it was, did that feel? It, it's, it's truly, it was truly a dream come true, you know? No cliche at all. Like, it really was a dream come true to be able to be a part of that tour um, and to just play those shows and, and be a part of that history, you know, like despite what um, the genre of the tour turned into towards the end, you know what I mean? Like sure. kind yeah. of, kind of became a different thing, it did. but regardless, it was still, it was still warp tour and it was still this traveling, this fucking traveling circus of bands that, you know, also too, a huge thing was warp tour kids were very niche to warp tour. Right. So like, there was an influx of, of a lot of civilian kids who didn't really fuck with music too hard, but you know, would go to Warped Tour. Free and then there was Warped Tour yeah. kids. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then there was Warped Tour kids who, they didn't go to any of the shows all year except they for Warped Tour. That, you know? yeah. Like they, they, they saved all their money, they saved all their time. You know I mean, everything was to go to that. And so those kids were very, very crucial in terms of, you know, like, getting your band to that next kind of level. Cause those are, those are diehard fans, man, for real. <laughs> and, um, just every set of work tour too, just kind of like was getting bigger and bigger and the responses were just getting louder and louder in a way. And, uh, it was just so much fucking fun, dude. I remember like that first year was just every day. Cause I mean, it's like a free for all you wake up in the morning, you go check your set time, and you're either playing, you know, right at doors or anywhere there in between until the end of the night kind of thing. And the day is yours to do with as you please kind of thing. And you set up your merch tent and you got that whole world of merch down there, which is respect to any dude who's done merch on Warp Tour. That shit is not fun. It's hard. Sure it is not a good time at it all. Is, it's a real it nice job. It is fucked up. Like, <laughs> so, you know, like mm-hmm. having that, having that be a huge part of, why kids went to was very economically sound for us. Like kids were just, they bought tons of t-shirts and allowed us to, you know, stack that much more money to go and do the other things that we wanted to do, like record another record, just go on tours. And, and so, yeah, that, that, that whole period of like that first year of work tour was a huge turning point for our band. As you know, and, and like, I think that's also, you know, I would imagine, playing that is like for what y'all are playing it's like okay like we did it like you know like new level achieved here you know um totally just yeah so it's like you you reach you reach this this level and what's interesting is that as as i'm kind of like like listening to the story of you and the story so far it's a very organic one it it's not like a yeah, this one thing happened and we became like a giant overnight. Like it seems kind of like a like a like a a a, a steady grade but still gradual rise. Um and I feel like there's there's a level of appreciation when it comes to something like that because it it's like you you work to get there. You know? Yes. Yes. And 100%. Yeah. 
like and, and you know at least this is what i'm picking up you know kind yeah, of thing. Really. and and you know we learned it from that kind of work ethic that we saw set your goals go through mm-hmm. or um like my booking agent his name is brad wiseman he was in a band called this time next year and they played a bunch of shows with set your goals and like uh, all the different bands from our area and like went on tours and like you know really grinded to get any sort of anything at all um so that sort of work ethic was kind of just like burned into our heads seeing our friends go through it and you know it it ended also not always working out you know kind of thing where it's like yo man you really gotta you really kind of gotta put in the time and work for this for it to really be real you know so you do work there was another band oh there there was another band from uh there was another band from our area too called first to leave um who were just like an incredibly impactful band they played with set your goals and this time next year all the time but like an incredibly impactful band for me in terms of um sound uh attitude like touring um kind of ethic and it's funny too because ben um ben hirschfield who was the guitarist in that band he's actually the dude that I record with now. He's the guy I record all my no pressure stuff with. Ah, that's that. like another, it's another big full circle kind of thing for me to be able yeah. to work with him. And, um, it's just, it's just fucking cool. So shout out to Ben, shout out to first lead. Yeah. Shout out to Ben. So you, you do, you know, you, you do this warp tour, get in front of a lot of people that otherwise probably have never seen you before, be it civilian or, or strictly warp tour person. Um, you know, so again, you're kind of you're continuing to expand. Um, you know, at, at this point, it's like you've gone overseas. You're playing Warped Tour. Like, what what did you feel was like the next? Like, what was like the next place where you're like, okay, what haven't we done? Um, did you end up doing more of the same, or, or were you trying to go kind of like new avenues? Well, we wanted to. We knew that we wanted to just go to different places in the world that we hadn't been yet. Because going yeah. over. Going overseas to do England was so eye-opening and awesome that we were like, well, we got to go fucking, we got to go to Europe. You know, we got to go to try, got to try and go to any place we can really. So Europe was the next, Europe was the next big thing for us. And, um, we got offered this tour with, uh, a band called every time I die and a day to remember. In oh, Europe. Yes. Oh, and that was, yes. you know, a little band called every time I die. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and like at the time, those were those were huge bands for sure. Yeah, uh, they remember specifically is just massive yes. in Europe. Massive, and um, but I remember kind of being like you know a little iffy about it because it just wasn't really. I was like, well, you know, do I really want to be going on tour with this band that I don't really like, you know, or or sure. whatever? Like kind of personal opinions getting in, involved in it. Yeah, and um, I'm very very fucking glad that my bandmates and me kind of made the decision to be like, you know what, just swallow your fucking pride, just go over there and try it out. Cause it's probably, it was probably the most fun European tour I've ever done. It was, it was bonkers, dude. And it was huge venues, like arenas had like catering every day. God, it was so good. It never oh, closed you, catering. It's so good over there, man. It's crazy. <laughs> it was, it was awesome. And they were really nice to us, you know, and they made it a good time. And, so that was just incredible. Doing Europe with them was, was wild. We shared a bus with every time I died too. And that was just a fucking crazy time, man. It was, I'm sure it was so much fun. 
You know, and that's the thing about every time I die is this. All right, so they're an interesting phenomenon, or or were, rest in peace. Uh, like, I personally, like, I, I can't really get into their music, but I will say this. Got offered to play a show with them one time, and I was like, oh, there's going to be like a billion people there. I'm, of course, I'm going to say yes. It's similar, like, microcosm of the situation that you're in. And then another time, like, somebody said, oh, they're going to play – a spot kind of like about the size of the place that no pressure played in Richmond. So they're, they're like secret show style. We're going to play like this small place after yeah. like, like after like a, like they had played like a, like a main show somewhere else. That band was like live on another level. Now it, it's like, I, I'm, I'm not going to go home and like really like listen to the records but if someone's like, hey, you want to go see them like up the street? I'd be like, absolutely. Like it, they just put on. So it's like such a show. They go so hard. Um, so it's like, I'm sure like, you know, like going over there and being with them. It's like they are like real deal performers. And oh, yeah. uh, like, you know, like I said, like rising tide raises all ships. You know, you you see them. Uh, you know, like doing that, it's like I'm sure there had to be even something subconscious where it's like, okay, I mean, if we're gonna play with them, and if we're gonna play with the day to remember, and everybody here would die for them, you know, we gotta, oh, yeah. we gotta bring it to another level. I definitely felt that way. You know, I just was like, man, you gotta bring it. We gotta bring it every night. You know, yeah. and also, you know, this is a, it was a place we had never played yet. So, in a sense, I was like, man, I just really gotta, I gotta bring my absolute best here to show these kids what we're about. And hopefully they can they get down and we can come back kind of thing. And and having the other two acts on our tour be those bigger bands and have like legit shows, right? Like like they put on like performances where we were yeah. just kind of used to getting up on stage and, For and sure. fucking yelling and jumping around. So yeah. to have that kind of like, yeah, <laughs> to have that kind of like, you know. Um, like light shows and shit, you know. Yeah, like kind of open our eyes to like how you could still put on your performance like still play your set but play it in a bigger grander way to um to fit that stage too right because like we were we were used to playing smaller places and mm -hmm. at those places at those shows you don't need to do that there's no it's almost as if when you do that at those small places it seems superfluous so yeah and when you get to those big ones though it actually makes sense and so it's just really interesting to see how they did it and you know and really did it well so respect to those two bands for for kind of taking us under their wing and helping us out in those early years certainly so i mean like you're getting like badass opportunities you you've done a great europe tour or you did a, a good like a great uk tour you did an awesome europe tour you know like you've done warp tour it's like it's like you're really like checking the boxes of like of like the of the good shit you can do as a as a band doing what story story so far was doing you know i mean and, and it sounds like the name of the game is like let's just go to all the places that we haven't been to um yeah. what was i mean like you know i imagine you eventually end up in like what like as bands that tour the world do australia i'm sh like you know or like, like yeah because there was something, this you know yeah so there is this big there's this big festival in, in australia called soundwave Soundwave Music Festival. And they sent us an offer after, I believe, that first Warp Tour. Um, and it was just, it was like, yo, come come play our fest in Australia and play you XYZ and you can stay at these hotels and 
it'll pretty much be awesome. <laughs> we were like, yeah, hundred fucking percent. Sounds chill. We're down. Sounds very chill. So we went there and did that. And that was incredible too. That was just incredible. And after that, I think we did Australia and Japan together. I think Makes sense, in that, yeah. um, yeah. Cause they're, I mean, they're pretty close to each other. So it was like the Soundwave Festival, and then we played um, Japan. But actually, Japan was – it's crazy, man. I, I missed this in our timeline, but Japan was actually the first country that we went to outside of the United States, like even prior to England. Oh, um, really? Yeah, which is crazy. I, I can't believe I forgot to say that. But it's because Mizuki, Mizuki Ishii, which is the – he runs a label over there called Ice Grills Records. Um, he had, he was just on point in terms of like, you know, finding new bands and just being up on the scene in general. And I think he just hit our MySpace like super early on to be like, yo, I want to bring you guys out here. And like, I, I know how to do it. And like, I run a label, I can take care of you. I can drive you, you know, no sweat. You should come do it. And we instantly jumped on that for sure. That was incredible. Oh, God, going going to Japan when I was like fucking... I think I was like 18 or yeah, like 18 or 19. He just blew my mind, man. Yeah, like, I mean, like a lot of the shows were when you're very young. Yeah. Very young, bro. You know? And, and it was weird too, because all of the people that I had been doing it with like music in general with aside from my, my literal band was always older than me. You know, they were always at least five or six, seven years older than me. Um, so it was, it was crazy to do this stuff at that age, but I never really thought of how young I was. Right. Cause I, you know, you're always just, you're kind of, you kind of are the company you keep. So yeah, I was just course. surrounded by a little bit older people my whole life. And I never really thought about how young I was when I was doing it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, that's yeah, a retrospective thing for sure. Yeah. So we did Japan. The first, that was the first place we ever went to outside of the U S which so is wild incredible to, to say honestly it's fucking so cool and respect so, to mizuki for believing in us and <laughs> bringing us out there because i remember our shows were not like we didn't really draw that many kids in japan but we just it was so cool to just even be there and i remember we played this you know yeah we were we were we were fresh you know and we played this festival um fuck what was it called man it was oh shibuya crash is what it's called so it was like right in the middle of shibuya in tokyo and uh we played like one of the small stages, but I remember sick of it all played the big room. Um, oh, the right. casualties played the big room. Oh, fuck. Um, okay. Yeah. Like, uh, I think fury of five played the big room too. Just oh, like, sick. All right. Yeah. Like, like crazy, like big bands at the time. Um, so that was just fucking a trip to see too. Seeing it in Japan. That was just fucking wild. Oh, I um, imagine. Yeah. Oh. So, so you really, at this point, we're talking like what, 2015 ish, like you've hit God, like, you know, like the, the places that you can hit or whatever. Is there any point in there where you're like, okay, like, you know, span span being my career and, and everything, you know, what have you like, I like, like maybe we need to change our sound. Maybe, you know, like, how do we, how do we stay kind of like, in the ether or was it just kind of like, Oh, we're just going to keep, we're just going to keep doing our thing. It was, it was really just like, we'll keep doing our thing. Uh, Cause I just had this specific sound that, you know, we all kind of were agreed upon on, on our specific sound. 
and like all of our influences. Um, and we just kind of felt like the well wasn't dry yet, you know, like, sure. like we had put out maybe, you know, like, what was it? The EP, the split, the, the first LP. And then, so coming into that second LP, which is called what you don't see, mm-hmm. we really just, uh, at that point I was like, all right, I'm just going to step it up in terms of like, um, making the songs not sound different, but just sound bigger and just sound kind of like just better, really, um, kind of refine the tactics at hand and record it in a way where it will outshine the other records that we've done kind of thing. Like you can put it on and it's, you know, it's, it's bigger, it's fuller, it's louder. Um, so I think that that was really the goal for what you don't see. Um, I don't think we started to, uh, to think about sound, really until this latest record we did proper dose proper dose yeah what you don't see it is the record i feel like that the most most people i know their story so far fans this is the record that they cite as being like the record for them um yeah i mean which is yeah crazy to think considering that you at by this point you're already done so much um yeah. and but this one ends up being like the one for a lot of people i think it, it had a lot to do with you know we we did the the next warp tour after 2013 to so 2014 we did that warp mm-hmm. tour and we were able to put out the record prior right prior to that so it was like kind of like a a sweet spot release of like hey we're putting out this record and we're doing this warp tour so you know come see us kind of thing and that was a big that was a big way to promote it. Yeah, Excuse me. Of course. And, um, you know, we were fortunate enough to prior to putting out prior to recording and putting out what you don't see, we were, um, given an offer by newfound glory to play the sticks and stones 10 year tour, which was, you know, I mean, that's, if you know the story so far, I mean, we're named after their Mm -hmm. song. Um, and so, you know, we were obviously like, of course, man, that's one of our band's dreams. I mean, it's crazy. I'd never thought I'd really get to that point. And that was a big, that was a big moment for me to be like, like, you know, earlier how I said that, you know, we, I would never meet anyone from that kind of genre. Right. Like I'm too far removed. Um, like they're too big in a way, you know, like I, I just never thought that that would really enter that world, even though I was part of the same world. So for newfound glory to, to hit us up and ask us to do it. It was really just like a fucking collision of, of, of my world. You know what I mean? Like I was just like, Holy shit. Like, I can't believe it actually kind of broke into that realm. Um, and reached those ears. Yeah. 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 hundred percent, hundred percent. And, um, so being able to do that was, was incredible too. And I think that gave us a lot more steam to go in and do, what you don't see um because prior to recording it too um steve klein the guitarist of newfound glory or ex-guitarist of newfound glory was yeah i mean he was like he was like the main songwriter for newfound glory and he was like yo i want to help you guys out on this record so he came and and kind of did like a pseudo producer kind of role um and you know that that had some influence on it but he was also going through a bunch of kind of shady shit at the time too so it kind of unraveled for him in that in that aspect Uh, when we were recording but you know all things aside it still was uh 
it still was a mark, like a kind of like a timestamp of where we were in our career and where we were in terms of playing shows and being able to, to actually link with newfound glory and play like, and just to be able to meet, you know, just be able to meet those dudes like, like Jordan, Cyrus and Chad and, and like, uh, Jordan was so cool too. He was like, yo, I want to draw your guys's album because he was into, yes. he was into just drawing art at the time, kind of really mm. getting into it. And he drew the cover art for what you don't see. Damn, so for man, him to do that's that. That's just so crazy. Like, yeah, yeah. A lot of people don't, um, I mean, it's, it's on the record, like in the, in the, what should we call it? In the, uh, liner notes and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But I don't think, you know, it's kind of just goes over most people's heads in that way. But for, for that to happen, like for him to just be stoked and be involved in it, it's another full circle moment, you know, like that was one of my heroes. That was, that was a dude who, you know, I listened to that guy's voice so much, you know, growing up and to finally be able to not only meet him, but like bro down with him and have him just be fucking cool and down to earth and then do something for my band. Like I was just like, Good fucking god, man! This That's, is fucking I mean, cool. Yeah. Dream. You said there's a lot of dream come true stuff, you know, like like happening, and, and and there it is again. It's like it's like you know the 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 hand being dealt is is a good one. Um, yeah, I, I I really mean this, man. Like every everything I've ever wanted to kind of like go for and achieve in music, I've done it, and to be able to say that is is just like so fulfilling, man. Like. And I, rocks. I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very thankful for it. Like I can't, I can really still can't believe to this day. It's that's the case, you know? And I think that's, cool. I think it's also I why say, it's like, it, it's, know, it's good. You're the, you're so appreciative, you know? And I think the people that become not appreciative are the ones where that kind of thing stops happening. Yeah. And they, you know, they, and they lose sight of what they've done. So they try to go do the same things again and again and again to get better results. But, you know, that's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. And sure. I think, you know, being being a part of the the world of punk and hardcore music, too, was that, like, you know, my friends' bands, when they would play a hometown show and it was crazy, right? Like, everyone would come out and it was epic. That was, that was it for them. That was the coolest. That was the pinnacle of of being in a band, you know? So to even get past that was like, man, you, you fucking made it, you know, like everything after this is extra fucking credit kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and, and quite a lot of extra credit, I might say, yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, so what you don't see comes out. Do you notice like, is it, is it like a visible like uptick in, and y'all in like story so far as fandom, is it more of the same? Um, you know, was there sort of a change in, in the playing field for you? There's definitely, definitely just more kids coming to the show. Um, specifically those kinds of like fringe kids that, you know, you're into kind of all different genres of music. You don't really have specific favorite. You're not really like a, you know, like a, a this kind of kid or that kind of kid. Yeah. You're kind of just like a, a casual listener in a way. But for 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 them, the story so far was like their first, um, like like band like that they fucking loved. You know what I mean? Like like so prior to that, they kind of just were maybe listening to hits of different things, and mm-hmm. we we were their first band to be like, yo, I I have every record you guys have. I listen to every song. I know every uh, lyric, and that was 
that was special to me too. Cause I remember being, you know, friends with all those kids like in high school and trying to, trying to kind of fuse my world with theirs. And, you know, it doesn't always work, but to have it finally kind of connect and to, to see those kinds of kids coming to the shows and man, like they, they were really about it too. Like they were so loud, man. I remember those shows after what you don't see, like specifically like the songs, like kids were just screaming the fucking lyrics. Like there were some nights where I couldn't even hear myself over like a, over a massive amount of kids just screaming. And it was just, it was incredible, man. It was incredible. You know, and like, just like not like having that, that being there for that moment where you're like, damn, these people are screaming my, my words at me louder than I can even say them. You know, it, it, it's, you know, and, and you know, it's like, as a, as it's like having even just people, you know, someone as, as a front man myself, having even people just like, know the words to what your songs are anyway, is like a, we, it's like a, it's like a whoa feeling, you know, in itself. But like, like, like if you're like playing like across the country or in another continent or some shit, but having that happen where, where it's like a sea of people, you know, is, is surreal. Um, and, and, and it's awesome. You know, it, it's awesome. Did like any, new opportunities, you know, kind of like pop up for you guys or, or did it kind of start becoming like, all right, like this is the story so far show. And, you know, like, like we're the, the spotlights on us. That was kind of what it was turning into, you know, like the shows are getting crazier. And, and I remember Jake kind of coming to us and being like, yo, like the ball is in your guys' court. Jake even came to us being like, please, please talk to other uh, to, to bigger labels because I cannot keep up with, with, with stories so far. And I, like he, he legit was like, yo, it's, it's getting to be too much. I can't, I'm you know, I don't want to do wrong by you guys. I don't, <laughs> don't want to do wrong. I don't want to fuck it up, but man, it's getting to be a lot. And like, yeah, I would, you know, like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to, to keep doing it kind of thing. And not in the way that he didn't want to, but it was just, it was becoming so, so big, so fast. Like a tangible oh, thing. I get it. It's like, it's like physically yeah. not having the, the, the physical wherewithal to make that happen. Sure. So it really just started becoming like, like, yeah, the ball is in our court and we can, we could just do what we wanted to do. You know what I mean? We could just go play places and know that the show is going to be good. And, uh, you know, our friends bands that were playing, we could go take them out on tour. Um, I remember the first time I saw my friend's band citizen play, um, mm. we played, we played this tour with, uh, we played a tour with Census Fail and Stick to Your Guns, and we mm-hmm. played in, um, where is it, in Detroit, uh, at the shelter, I believe. Um, and Citizen opened up, and they, I think they were like, they were like eighteen at the time or something, like still super young. Mm-hmm. And I watched their whole set, and afterwards I was like, Yo, man, you guys are fucking sick. Like, we should play some shows together. Kind of thing. That was that was just all I said. And from that point on, we just kind of started developing a relationship where we would, we kind of like were um, almost like related in a way, you know what I mean? Like you couldn't talk about stories so far without talking about Citizen. This is the same sort of like, kind of like family of, of bands in a way. Yeah. Um, same with like, same with Man Overboard too. Like after we did that England tour, we were like, yo man, like we're, we're two peas in a fucking pod. Like, you know, we should, we should keep playing shows together kind of thing. Yeah, um, so association, just, sure. Yeah, yeah. So it just became kind of like let's curate our own scene in a way. Mm. Um, 
just strictly through the bands that we like and bands that are, we're friends with, right? Because that was that was what I understood from growing up in punk and hardcore was that yeah. like these bands they play with their friends' bands and they don't give a shit whether a band is big or not. You know what I mean? Like it's strictly just like a, a friends and family business, you know, which is, it, it's, it's special um, to feel that way with, with another band. Cause I don't think there's another genre of music that you can really say that about, you know, I, I, oh, I don't really I, think I so. Agree with you know? you. I mean, it, yeah. you know, I think about that on here all the time. And it's kind of what I referenced earlier where like you end up being in, in like, you know, having uh, somebody from set your goals as one of your, you know, pseudo band members. And it, it's the kind of thing where it's like, with this, it's like, you know, there's what's been so intoxicating about, again, larger umbrella, hardcore music and operating in it is that you have such control over the direction of the car. Like you yep. have such uh like you're at, at the steering wheel and it's not like you got one hand on it and somebody else has the hand on it. You really can, like you said, you're curating like a scene in itself by being like, my band's gotten big enough to the point where we have the power to kind of drive this ship, whichever direction that we feel like we want to drive it. And not just for ourselves, but even for other people. So it's like, it's like putting on bands like citizen, it's like, you know, like association with the man overboard, um, you know, or I, I don't know, like down the line. Turnover like, too. Yeah. Turnover. Yep. You know, shout out to yeah. those dudes. Haven't seen them in a while, but I hope they're well. Um, mm -hmm. You know, like uh, it, it, it's like, it's like doing, it's doing that. And uh, you know, like. Uh, Just being able to grow together, you know, yeah, like you're, in, inside of that scene. You're in control. Um, yeah. 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 And, and to be able to to show kids that you can do that, right? Like you can, you don't have to, you don't have to play by the rules of, of big labels in terms of oh, you got, you know, you can't go on tour with this, but you got to go on tour with this band because this is how it's gonna look, or or whatever the case oh, may be. Man. Like, yeah, we just wanted to show kids that you couldn't or that you didn't have to adhere to that, you know. Yeah. Which is what punk music taught me. It taught me you don't have to adhere to shit. You just gotta go do your thing. And if someone doesn't yourself, like it, that's you know? it. Yeah. 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 Exactly. You know, so the, you come out with a self titled record in 2015. Um, you know, you guys are, you know, holding the, you know, like being the kind of the flag bearers of pop punk and everything. Was, was there like a, like a change at, at, at this time with, with coming out with that record or, or was it kind of like, all right, we've, we've put our boots on the ground, kind of like curating like this world we want to curate. Now we're going to, you know, release another record and kind of continue, continue more of that. Cause at this point you have been doing this for almost a decade. Yeah. That's fucking crazy, man. <laughs> I never really think about it too much, but it is wild. Yeah. yeah I mean, I think the self-titled, the self-titled, I said before that um we hadn't you know thought started to think about musical changes or or evolving our sound too much until proper dose but i actually think that's not true i think self-titled was that first step to kind of you know not making totally different sounding songs but maybe just kind of adding more influence from other places into them um whether that's you know like different kinds of of tempos or or 
song structures to, to melodies that I would try, you know. Uh, I remember on the self-titled record specifically, I really tried to sing as like, I, I like was like, oh, I want to sing as hard as I can. Like, I really want to go balls to the wall. I want to sing as high as I can kind of thing. You know, like, mm-hmm. if I don't think I can do something, I'm going to really go for it. And I think, uh, I think in, in doing that, like, excuse me, I think uh, pushing ourselves in that way on the self-titled record, you know, it, all of us, we actually kind of collectively believe it's not our best one. You know, we think it's more of a stepping stone to get to, uh, to proper dose, um, in terms of that kind of songwriting, well, but it was I'll necessary, say, you know, I'll say this following up a hot fire flames record <laughs> is almost impossible. It's hard, man, you know, and, you know, that was always in the back of my head, like, oh, you know, you're going to flop, are you going to fucking, are you just going to write some dog shit, you know, like, I I never wanted to do that, you know, like, I'd rather, I'd rather not, you know, I'd rather just, whatever, Uh, that was one of my biggest fears, it still is one of my biggest fears, to put out something that just doesn't fucking sound that good, you know, Um, Yeah. and I'm sure that's the case for for most musicians, but you know, in terms of self-titled too, it was kind of like a, a weird, um, kind of in between era of, of playing just crazy shows and not having anything be totally different. Right. But we were just kind of getting older. Yeah. So you're right. It was, it was kind of like an interim period of, um, still trying to do our own thing, still trying to curate our own shows and vibe but knowing that we couldn't stay in that place forever, you know, like we had to, we had to keep going and put something out. And I think that's what the self-title was, you know, it was like a little bit of, a little bit of a stepping stone in terms of, um, just kind of growing as a band. Cause I mean, dude, also none of us in story so far, ever thought that story so far would make it past like two years you know what i mean like it, for us even had got, gotten that far it was like we were all in the studio like okay like fuck i guess we'll just i guess we'll do what we know how to do you know? Record, huh? like, i guess we gotta do this yeah. okay <laughs> like, let's yeah. let's do what we know how to do you know but you know let's let's try to tweak it a little bit let's try to have a little bit of a little bit of fun with it in terms of you know um adding just different kinds of influence wherever it was from inside of those songs that were still technically pop punk. Um, and I was also going through a weird, you know, a weird personal phase where I, I just, I fucking hated pop punk, man. There were so many bands that, that came about um, in the scene that just fucking sucked <laughs> and like just kind of made it corny, you know, like it made me feel like, uh, what I had started kind of turned into something that I didn't like, you know, and, and I didn't, uh, I didn't really know what to do, you know, cause I, I was like, I know that this is what I do. I know that this is what I'm very good at doing, but I just didn't want to be a part of it. So to say, um, too much anymore. And it was a weird time, man, like a weird, a weird fall out of love kind of time. Um, and it, it, you know, it was, partly to do with some of the kids that were coming to the shows were just, man, they were fucking weird kids, bro. They just like come up and say some like outlandish shit to me, like for like a reaction kind of thing or like, or get on stage with like their fucking phone out and like, you know, just act a fool and like 
so it was like a it, uh, you know i'm sure you remember that era of show it was a, it was like a problem in shows for a second like yeah, kids were just you know I, I do remember this era and uh, and like you know you you bring up something that is an interesting uh you bring up something that that's that's an, that's an interesting point you know being who you are in the band that you're in at this time at right now it's like there's a lot of eyes on you you know and you have people connecting with with the art you're making and the music you're doing and everything and uh and it really like resonating them you know with, with, with what have you and you're like a nice person you know whatever so so there, there seems to be kind of like a metaphorical gate open for that was it like i'm speculating here because it it, it like I, I've experienced this on a, on, a, on a much minor level, but but it still bothers me, nonetheless. Were people just being like too familiar with you? Totally, man. I mean, kids just believed that you know they could be as candid as they wanted to um, in terms of like you know saying things to me or or greeting me in any any sort of fashion, kind of thing, like kind of putting me on a pedestal in a way that was like, you know, what, what will he react with kind of thing? Mm -hmm. Um, and it was just weird, man. You know, it was like, so it made me feel, it made me feel like a fish in a, in a fishbowl. You know what I mean? Like, I was just kind of like all these outside eyes kind of looking in and kind of really kind of feeling like they were, or they felt like, you know, they really understood me, right. Because of the lyrics and the music and, so you're right. It did. It did open like a weird kind of door for kids to, you know, be like, "Oh, I know Parker. Like, I don't worry. Like, I, I can say whatever I fucking want." Kind of thing. And that's just weird, man. Like, I, I would never. I would never do that. I, I, I would even do that to like a random person who I didn't even. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it just. It, it was so strange to me that that was kind of not only accepted, but it was like the status quo of like what kids were coming up to me doing, kind of thing. And yeah. So it really just kind of like, and it also, bro, like I couldn't, I couldn't hang out at shows anymore. Like I couldn't, I couldn't just uh, like chill at the show, right? Like just watch the show because kids, yeah. would, they just wouldn't leave me alone. Like they wouldn't, uh, like I, I just was always like the, this weird center of attention whenever I was in any sort of room kind of thing. And I fucking hated it, man. It made me just really kind of start resenting kids and, and shows and, and everything I had like kind of <laughs> worked towards, it was a weird yeah. time, man. It was kind of, it was kind of dark, you know? And, yeah. and, um, so it, it took a little bit to get through that for sure. You know, it took some, uh, some patience and, you know, my dad, he was a big part of, of really talking to me and being like, yo man, like these kids are, you know, they're kids. Like, you remember how enthusiastic you were, right? You know, when you were 13 and I got you that fucking guitar, you know, do you think the the chords that you were playing then sounded good? Fuck no. You know, do you think the, the bands that you were in sounded good? No, man. But you know, you learn because people had the patience with you sure. to show you ropes and to, to bring you into a, a world that you didn't understand, you know? And so, yeah, you feel a certain way about them, but don't let it affect your passion. Don't let it affect your your mission you know what i mean like because this is what you're here to do kind of thing yeah. 
Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I, I, what you're saying is, is interesting because it, it, it looks, you know, timeline wise, it's like you come out with that record, you know, like it's a stepping stone to another place, uh, you know, as agreed upon by the, everybody in the band, you kind of like are having a hard time having ascended to a, a level where you're like, people are putting you on a pedestal. You're no longer just, like a band on the show you're your band it's like you're the band that is the show is created around you um and, and everything and so the spotlight's on you and and it's like i'm sure and it kind of like that time period where you were sort of as you were saying kind of like cultivating or curating like a, a scene or whatever it's like yeah this is this is awesome and then you get to that point where it's like you like feel like oh yeah we're kind of at like top of the food chain a bit and it's like Oh damn! There's this is a double-edged sword. Um, totally. I notice that there's a few years before the next record was kind of like what you were going through. Is, is that a factor in kind of like like slowing down? Yes, hundred percent, man. I just really, I really fell out of love with with things involving the story so far. Like, um, just from all of the you know things that didn't have to do with music that were kind of bleeding into story so far, which is, you know, um, the, the social aspect, the social aspect of it. Like, you know, like, cause story so far never really played the game in terms of, you know, being a magazine band or doing interviews or, or doing, uh, you know, promotional things. Like we never really kind of went that route. So kids, um, you know, they just kind of made their own, their own idea of what it was or who I was. And that didn't sit right with me. You know, I didn't, I didn't like it. So I just, it really made me kind of fall out of love with, with playing those shows and, and, and also just not even being able to like be comfortable at shows anymore. Like whether it was just like a local show, you know what I mean? Like go and hang out and there'd be kids going, Oh, is, are you Parker Cannon? You know, are you, are you Parker Cannon? Like so for me to hear my full name, like from a, a stranger is, was, was just really like off putting in a way, you know what I mean? Yeah. And even though it came from such a, a good place, like an honest place, a, a place of appreciation, it just still felt very intrusive and it just freaked me out, dude. It totally freaked me out. And especially uh, when it kind of just go to like a local show, like a hometown show and just be, yeah, man, you know? Yeah. Like completely. And I was just kind of like, just really turned off, you know? Yeah. Um, really turned off and it just made me kind of stop listening to music too dude that was a huge thing was like i just i just not only stopped playing music but i stopped listening to music so you know that like no new bands were coming around i just was like kind of out of the loop um in the hardcore scene and like punk scene just because story was doing bigger things and you know I, all my attention was there and and so I just kind of was like out of the loop. I felt kind of lost, you know, I felt like I wasn't going to be able to build on my previous work well enough. Um, so I just, I needed a break, you know, really just kind of needed a break from it. And, you know, like you said earlier too, like at that point, bro, we had already been doing it for almost 10 fucking years. Like that was an insanely long time. Yeah. This is right about the 10 year mark. Yeah. Yeah. And like in, especially, you know, I'm sure, you know, like in our, in our realm of bands and people who play in bands, like 
10 years doesn't happen all the time, bro. Like that, oh, no. it's, it's, it's pretty rare for a band to even make it, you know, one year, two years mm-hmm. kind of thing. And, yeah. um, so it was just like, yo man, like you've done everything you want to do. You've gone to, you've gone around the world, right. Which is something I, I always wanted to do as a kid. That's what every human really wants to do is travel the world. And I got to do that not once, but like multiple fucking times. So what do I, what did I, what did I really want from the band anymore? What was, what was my goal kind of thing? And I didn't have an answer for it, you know? Mm. And so I had to just take some, some time away to kind of just reset in a way, you know? Yeah. What'd you do during that time period? Uh, I didn't, I didn't do a, I didn't do many healthy things. I'll tell you that much. I was mm. smoking too much weed. Yeah. Uh, I got into drinking codeine, which was really gnarly. Oh, um, damn. And that was just, you know, like a bunch of bad. I, like I was drinking a bunch too at shows, um, like after we would play shows kind of thing to just yeah. to feel more comfortable. So I, I could like feel myself just using things to, to kind of feel better. And prior to that, I was using music to feel better. Um, and I just, I totally missed that. So I just, I got into using other things to fill that kind of void of, of what I was missing. And that just drove me down a, a dark place, bro. I just, you know, I barely even talked to my friends for like, I want to say like a couple months, bro. Like, like three or four, three or four months where I like didn't even see anyone, didn't call anyone was just chilling in my house would like go play, go to movies by myself. Like sure. it was some real Steven Glansberg shit. Like just, just solo <laughs> dolo. <laughs> um, but you know, like eventually two of my really good friends, um, from back where I live, um, Scotty Moore and Ryan Mertz, they came into my door, like literally out of the blue one day because I just hadn't been answering my phone. I was just high all the time, just fucking ignoring people. Yeah. And they came straight to my door and they were like, bro, what are you doing? Like, you need to throw all this stuff away. Like, I don't, we don't know what you're fucking doing, but this isn't you. And you know, we're here to put an end to it kind of thing. Um, so it was like a, basically like a little mini intervention. That yeah. me. And, uh, it woke me up, dude. It really did. And, you know, I started to, to get clean. It took me probably like, you know, another two months or so to really feel better out of it. I mean, for anyone that goes through a dope problem, there is like this feeling of being underwater for a long time where you're kind of, where things are muffled, right? You can't really hear too much. Um, you can't really breathe too well, metaphorically and, you know, physically. And you just, when you get clean, it's like you are coming up for your biggest gas of air you know what i mean like it's it's like the freshest breath you've ever taken and it feels liberating and yeah in that in that you know kind of release i started listening to music again you know and i also started working out again too it was a huge thing for anyone out there that doesn't exercise i hope you i hope you start because it can set you free in terms of pushing your body you know and and yes and um you know, like helping get your mind and your body on the same page. So I just started listening to music again and I started working out, started playing some sports again. Um, and just kind of, kind of just got myself 
back to normal in a way, you know, it wasn't, wasn't all the way normal because I'd gone through some shit, you know, and that will always be a part of me, but it, it felt like I was getting back to a more even keel. Yeah. And you know, my, my friends, um, in story so far, they didn't really have any idea, you know, cause I was always very, uh, very kind of quiet when it came to coming home from tour. Like I, I never really, um, you know, I wasn't really, um, what am I trying to say? Like, uh, I didn't really go out to bars. I didn't really like, you know, do that kind of social stuff in the first place. Sure. So they didn't really think too much of it when I wasn't, you know, calling or going out or whatever it was. Um, so it kind of took them by surprise and, um, they were pissed at me. They were like, oh, what the fuck are you doing? You know, like, you don't like you're thinking about yourself, you know, like that's a selfish move. Like, you know, we have, we have this thing that we built here that's lasted over 10 years, you know, and you're, you're over there wallowing in self pity. Like you don't think that we feel that way kind of thing. And that was another big wake up call for me to be like, you know what? Oh, sure. I bet. They're, they're fucking right. You know, like I can't believe I, I let myself kind of think so selfishly in that way. Um, so having them, you know, be there for me, but also be real with me, you know, was a, was a huge, huge kick in the butt to, to get back to doing it and, play music again, you know, start writing music again, start listening to music again. What'd you start listening to when you started listening to music again? Dude, I got into a band called Oasis. Oh, the the greatest. And yeah, they fucking changed my life, man. hundred percent, you know? And I, you know, I had, I had listened to them when I was a little bit younger, right? Everyone Mm -hmm. has heard Wonderwall. Everyone's heard Champagne Supernova. And like, even back then, I remember listening to those songs being like, man, that's a fucking, that's a really good song. But I didn't really think anything deeper, right? Yeah. And then I got into them and I started really listening to them and they just kind of reignited my love for for rock music, you know, and bands, you know, specifically bands um, because they were such a raw band. I mean, they were basically like a punk band, you know? Oh, Um, yeah. You listen to a song like Bring It On Down. Dude, I was just going to say, yeah. That's a punk punk song. Punk that's a punk song. track. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a punk uh, track. It's funny. Around the, probably the same time period, because this is probably about 2017 or so, uh, yeah. I saw um, the documentary, uh, Supersonic. Oh, and yeah. I just Exactly. Just like you, I was like, yeah, like, I know Wonderwall, you know, whatever. And I was like, oh, I hear, like, that, that the, those dudes, like, like beef each other. That was all I knew. Yeah, I same. see that movie and I was like, oh, so this is the best band that's ever existed. And like, yeah, just dove in. And like, I started trying to like, uh, learn more about just like Brit pop of the era, like, you know, Elastica and like, like some blur stuff and like pulp, you know, whatever. But like Oasis was just so far above so much of it. Um, I mean, the first two records are like some of the best records ever written. And, uh, yeah. So prime band, it kind of gets you out of a slump for sure. Yeah. Like, and, and, and not only, not only the music, cause the music was fucking flawless, but you know, like the attitude, the and attitude the, that's what makes them the, um, the, the kind of like the visceral energy they would bring to their shows yes. in terms of being, you know, real, real people, real people of, of England, like working Manchester class people, that, you know, dudes, the, man. that you yes. know, they weren't 
you know, they weren't like a glam rock band or they weren't like a hair metal band. Like they were just, they were like every other band that I saw growing up. You know what I mean? Like they were just a fucking band. They were good, Mm -hmm. you know? And, uh, and I think that was a huge part of why it turned me on to them was, was that they didn't, there was no frills to it. There was no, there was no excess of, of, bullshit there was no bullshit whatsoever no, you know it's like no just no it's just like yeah, just in their street I mean, clothes like playing rock and know, roll man like a big ass band on stage you know and knows using feedback you know what i mean it's the same shit that i would see a punk band do. you know what i mean like mm-hmm. it's like so it was it was just monumental for sure for me to kind of get out of a slump and realize that music was still there and like there is not only it wasn't it's not only still there, but there were so many bands just like Oasis that I had never even heard of, you know, like, you know, I got into another band called Alice in Chains, a fucking oh, yes. awesome band. Amazing. And like, you know, prior to Oasis was Stone Roses too, which another amazing oh, yeah. British band, oh, yeah. which was you know, a little bit different in terms of slightly more indie, but still really little, catchy, you know, like space really, here, really, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like really, just really catchy. So like all those, all those bands really did, kind of reignite the flame inside of me in terms of wanting to keep playing music and to, to make my music better, you know, and to kind of keep, um, story so far in that sort of like realm of like, yo, this band started from a basic band and rose to whatever they were. You know what I mean? I wanted to keep that intact and I wanted to push that forward instead of shying away from it. So with that in mind, kind of like what was the mental on Proper Dose on like the on the next record? Proper Dose was Proper Dose was a culmination of everyone's break from music, right? Because I mean, with with our band, like I, I play a huge part in pushing the songs forward, right? And like and how we write and if a song is going to make it past the demo stage or not, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, determining on like how I feel about the song, right? If I can write to it. <clears throat> so when I felt, excuse me, when I fell out of love with music, I mean, the rest of my band didn't really, so to say, but you know, I wasn't at the jam, you know, and I wasn't, I wasn't involved in the creative process. So it kind they kind of just suffered from it too. Um, and so, you know, when I started kind of getting back into music, it kind of reignited their passion for story so far too. And so it was really just proper dose is really just everyone's culmination of their break from music and having a fresh perspective to go back in and build off of all of our work, right? Not just self-titled, not just under soul and dirt, but like all of it. And to make something that was legit timeless, right? Like, cause most of, Stories records are pretty niche, right? They they sound good to the people who like that genre. Yeah. But we wanted to make a record that someone who didn't listen to that could appreciate and be like, mm-hmm. man, this actually this sounds great, you know? Like, oh, I like that band, you know? That's that's a cool song. Um, and kind of reach that. Uh, I use this term a lot, like civilian level, where it's like, yeah, you 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 kind of break into that, um, kind of like norm that normal realm of people. And, um, you know, and if somebody and just hears a through, song somewhere and can, and can get down that like otherwise would have no affiliation with the culture. 
totally, totally. Yeah. And like, uh, and everything I went through with, you know, getting into drugs and shit and getting off them, that was a huge part of writing lyrics again, because prior to that, you know, I was kind of sick of writing lyrics about relationships that didn't work out. Um, because yeah, it, it didn't really, aside from, from pushing my band forward and helping me in, in that regard, like it didn't really help me, um, get back with those people or connect with those people or, mm, or, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, it kind of just didn't, it didn't do what I wanted it to do. You know what I mean? It kind of had the opposite uh, effect, if anything, kind of pushed those people farther away. Right. And I didn't really like that. So I was kind of like, fuck, I don't really want to keep writing about the same shit I was writing about. Cause you know, that's just like, it's become like my kind of thing. And I don't want to have like a pigeonhole that I can't climb out of. And, um, so really kind of looking at myself and being like, I want to write about what I went through getting off of drugs. And that was like a big, uh, a big kind of inspiration moment to start writing new lyrics and like, kind of like start thinking about that part of my life in that way, you know, where I hadn't really, I hadn't really thought about it too much as aside from just moving past it, you know? So I, I, I kind of was able to go back in and, really hone in on how I felt in those times when I was on that stuff or when I was off and, and be able to express myself fully and, and to have it be um, kind of like applicable in a way to what other people were going through, even if they weren't, you know, doing the same kinds of things. Like I wanted it, I wanted it to be ambiguous enough that you can relate to it, you know, um, no matter what you're going through. And that was like another another big thing too. Cause that was, that was something that Oasis did. That was, that was huge. was the ability to write lyrics that were so deep and impactful, but they were kind of just, uh, they could be about anything. You know what I mean? Like you could take any song and relate it to something going on in your life, you know? Um, so, you know, that was a big, uh, that was a big way for me to start getting back into writing the lyrics again and, and really just kind of, show that I was a good singer too, you know, cause I felt like prior to that on every record before that I was singing, but I, you know, I kind of was, re I was kind of really just yelling on key, you know, I wasn't really singing yet. Yeah. Um, and I, I really did want to start kind of singing, you know, I wanted to, to make songs like that. Um, that sounds a little ridiculous to say, but it no, is true. I mean, cause I, I get you know, that entirely, you know? Yeah. And like, yeah. I, I really wanted to be, I really wanted to be a good singer, like a good front man, you know? And, sure. and I think I needed to, to write proper dose and to play those songs live to, to feel that way again. So it was yeah. just like, that record is, that record is so important to me, man. It's like still, it's weird. that It's like fucking four years old now, almost like Golly, it's, man. it still yeah. feels like I put it out yesterday, you know, cause yeah. it's, it's very, uh, it's very important to me. Well, we, um, we lose, we lose a couple years in there to be honest. Like, yeah, that's, that's you, fair. You know? So like, like stuff that I did in like 2019, I'm like, Oh yeah, it was last year when I was like, yeah. actually, bro, that was three years yeah. ago. Cause, cause we just like, you know, look, the world halts. And, and I'm going to ask one question about this record before kind of like moving on. Cause I, I think you were, you were very like, uh, you, 
your kind of introspection on this one, I think speaks volumes and, and it's like you, you've said like pretty, pretty much any question I would ask about the record, you've kind of already said something about, but in, in regards to how you previously spoke about how, when you would write music, that was kind of about like failed relationships or relationships or, or what have you. And you feel like it would kind of push you away from the, the subject at hand in like a, in a negative way. Did you feel like writing about like the addiction you, you dealt with? Did you, did you, did you feel like that, that helped or was it like, I just want to tell the story? Um, that's a good question. You know, I, I want to say it's a bit of both, sure. but in, 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 I think in my core, it was just helpful, you know, to be yeah, able to talk about it, to be able to express it. Cause you know, I, I, I just hadn't really, cause like, like I said, my bandmates didn't even know, yeah, you know, I hadn't really, know. yeah. Yeah. Like I hadn't really even spoken about it to anyone besides my, my mom and my dad, you know? And, and so I think it was more so just wanting to, to get out what was on my mind and not really, not really even understanding that the subject matter of the record would be that, right? Like it was just like, I would just, I was just writing songs. And then, you know, as I got to the last song on it, all of a sudden, like I looked back and that was pretty much what the record was about, you know? Mm. And it was more so of a direct kind of representation of just how I was feeling, you know? Cause if anything, like, the things that I've tried to write about in my life have just come from feeling, you know, they've come from how I've felt directly. And I don't think it's ever been for a certain narrative or a certain, um, kind of, I don't know, you know, like, like, a position to, to yeah. go from. But I think that, I think it was just really, really, helpful for me to be able to just talk about it. And like, I, I love poetry, you know, my mom was an English major and she, she fucking loved poetry. She wrote, she wrote poetry every day. She read poetry every day, would read it to me all the time. So that was really the only way it's still kind of the only way I know how to fully express myself, um, in those deep parts of, of, of our soul, you know, like where we feel those, those important things. So I think that that was just, I think that's just, it was, it was really just helpful for me to be able to write about it. You know, and it's, and, and I imagine that was the case. I just, I was curious because it, because it sounds like this is a very positive record for you and that, that you personally got a lot out of it. And, and I think kind of growing sonically, it, it you know, probably helped as well with sort of where you, you were at mentally with like, you know, kind of like your involvement in the genre and everything. Um, you know, this kind of takes us to like the kind of like like the next era in the era that we're we're currently in right now. Um, you know, when does no pressure start? So no pressure. The idea for no pressure arose. I want to say like fucking like uh, six years ago, maybe something like that. Like way way long ago when. Uh, when Harry and I really started becoming like really good friends through just when story would play on the East coast and he was always there. He was just my boy. Um, just a really good friend. And we had always just talked about, yo man, like, like, why don't we just, we should just fucking start a band. Like we should start a band. That's like 
kind of like story, but like, you know, like we can just do our own thing. Like you don't have to do like, cause like story was really, every time we'd have this discussion, it would be at like a bigger story show than the previous one. Right. So like, sure. it was like, yo, you know, obviously stories turning into this thing that's becoming bigger than you guys ever really thought it was going to be like, let's just start a band. Let's just start a punk band. Like, like a band for us kind of thing. And, um, and I was always like, yeah, bro, I'm fucking down. Like, I just, I just legit don't have time. Like at that point. <laughs> so finally, right. When the world fucking shut down, um, Harry and Pat, and I, I had met Pat. Um, I want to say like, oh, fuck, like I think 2013 was mm-hmm. the first time I met Pat. Cause he was doing merch on Warped Tour and, or he was driving, I think on Warped Tour. And so I had known Harry and Pat for a long time. And when quarantine hit, Harry hit me up and was like, yo, Pat and I, we got together because we were just fucking bored because we can't do anything. We got together. We wrote like five or six songs and we just, we just demoed them and we're going to send them to you and you can write whatever you want. If you don't like them, fuck it. Like whatever. It doesn't matter. But like, we just think that you'll be down. And I was like, yeah, I'll, I'll fuck around. And they sent me the songs, dude. I'm not shitting you. I wrote that whole EP in like, you know, 10 minutes. Like it was, it was the the quickest I've ever written anything. Cause it it felt so, it felt so good. Felt so like authentic and, um, just like real, you know, like at the time when everything was shut down, it kind of made everyone think about, not kind of, it did make everyone think about their entire lives and what they were really about and what they loved and what they wanted to do. And, and that was something I really wanted to do was just, you know, realize that story so far had gotten to a certain point and then start something new, you know, prove to myself that I, I could start something again and it could be a band and that band could be good, you know, um, that I wasn't, you know, some sort of, one trick pony in a way um even though it was kind of it was still the same genre right but it was just more yeah but it's, it's just more man. to the point you know it's like yeah it, it just has more of that of hardcore influence in it um exactly because like as somebody that's you know? like it's like i i appreciate story for like what it is and like recognize that it, it's like one of the biggest pop bands that's ever existed uh when i heard no pressure not only because it's like my like you know I being a really good friend of Harry's as well was like, Oh cool. I'm like Harry's doing some of the guy from story so far. Uh, I heard it and I go, Oh, the energy behind this is, is something that um, I understand this language a little bit more based on my own personal pedigree. Um, totally. And so I was like, Oh yeah. Like I was like, I'm, I'm like all in on this. Like, uh, cause it reminded me of like, of like, I, I know like blink being like, like a big main influence, but like, dude, it reminded me of even like more like obscure stuff. Like I was asking Harry, I was like, did you guys like listen to like Oscar a lot when you were doing Oh, dude. Idol will kill man. Fuck yeah, yeah dude. dude. And I like, I that heard shit, that dude. in there. And like, I was like, I, cause I like, I like, like that band a lot. And he's oh, yeah. like, dude, he's like, I think maybe by accident when we wrote the songs, like that kind of found its way in there. Um, totally. I mean, not only Oscar, but I mean, bands like lifetime kid dynamite, yeah. Yeah. Like all those bands Love that Katie. were, Hell yeah. you know, like they just kind of were, they were in that world of hardcore and punk, but they just sounded a little catchier than other bands. I can actually hear the Katie, to, you know, now that I think about it. For sure. Big Katie influence, especially, you know, 
for Harry's drumming and like, mm-hmm. and you know, saves a day too. Like big, oh, yeah. big influences, you know? Oh yeah. Um, um, lifetime specifically too, for sure. sure. Uh, and, and, you know, so, and, and like one of the things too, is that with no pressure that it's like, it's like the, you're the same guy, but the live show is different. And, and it's like, maybe it's because it's like you, you've gotten to do this thing. That's like, okay, I story so far has ascended this level where it's like, um, it's not like a production. That's not really, really what I'm saying, but it's, it's like, well, I mean, it kind of is. You're right. I yeah, mean, it, it like, definitely is that now, you know, it's more of a performance than it is a yeah. show for sure. So you know? with no pressure, it's like, you're up there and it's like, Oh, this is like me time. I can just do whatever I want to do. And it's just it, bro. It's exactly. It. It's like, you're, it's like yeah. loose and like, it's like fun. It's energetic. Um, it's fast too, you know, fast. exactly. You know? It's fast. It rocks. And, uh, so it's like, you know, you, uh, you know, put this record out, uh, like yourselves. I, I, you know, I remember going to Harry's house when they like showed up uh, totally. and, and everything, um, like the boxes like, at his apartment and everything. And, uh, you know, so this comes out 2020, um, you know, like in, in the, in the kind of like the, in the midst of lockdown, um, you know, so you can't even play yet, but it's like, obviously people, you know, took to it really well and everything. And, and, you know, like, um, it's kind of like, it's like, you know, people were kind of probably building up during this time period of being like, Oh, I can't wait to like, you know, see this band. When were your first shows post lockdown? So the first shows were, fuck God, I'm so bad with dates. I think it was like, um was it the koyo shows or were there ones before that no you're right yeah it, it was it was the koyo ones Great but the caring. east coast yeah the the east coast was after it was after the west coast so so the west coast was first so the first okay. the first no pressure show was in la and okay. it was it was awesome and then yeah you're right the the weekend with koyo was right after that so it was kind of like a west coast weekend and then an east coast weekend and that was just bro it was it was just incredible, man. Like it, I will never forget that time in my life. Um, being able to get back in a fucking van again too, man. That was a huge thing. Like, you know, story we've been touring bandwagons and buses for a while now. Like you you lose that, you lose that aspect of touring where, you know, you know, as well as I do, that's important, man, to be locked in with a crew of people, um, all in the same van, you know, all looking forward in the same, same windshield kind of thing. Um, it creates that sort of cohesive unit, you know, that, that thing. Yeah. Yeah, man. Like, just like, you know, it's like your family and, and you know, with, with, uh, with Harry and Pat and AJ and body and Seb, like our crew that we have is just so strong. Legend and we have so unit, much fun. Man. Hell Bro, yeah. <laughs> we have so much fun, man. Like I, my voice legit is gone when I get home from those trips. Cause we just laugh so hard and we have yeah. such a good time and, Body's you know, hilarious. It's, I just like a, a beast player and a crazy person. Um, beast bass player, one of the best players, one of the best bass players I've ever heard. You know, and, dude, I I agree with you, and like people like don't know that about AJ. No, like, dude, he's unsung it, hero, dude. It's, it's AJ Hunnings, dude. AJ Hunnings, like, yeah. You know, and 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 the thing is, it's it's like it's kind of hard to explain with AJ because it's like 
previous bands he's been in it's like it's not like he's like taking shit for like a walk or anything it's not like in blind justice or like heavy change he's really doing that but there's something where the man is just like so locked in it just Dude, like he's just he's, tight he's very tight man like it just it really did kind of add a whole whole nother level to the sound i mean same with body too and his style yeah. of playing guitar and he's awesome and you know when we all got together for because like we had the conversation of like, Oh, you know, do we just want to play, you know, as like a straight up blink three piece, you know, like, in like, cause I play bass too. And I was going to try and play bass and, and sing. Cause when we write our songs, that's how we jam. Like I'll be playing bass, Pat will play guitar and then Harry plays drums. So at first we were like, yo, should we just do a three piece? And then we were kind of like, I mean, it'd be, it'd be kind of cool, but it, it just wouldn't really sound how we want it to sound. Like we want to sound good. We want to rip. And you know, we have these friends who, are rippers so let's get them in here let's fucking you know let's let's start let's create this band so we went to them and asked them and you know they were like fuck yeah we're fucking down so we just really didn't look back after that you know it's been it's been awesome playing with those dudes and and just really to play the shows that i started out playing and going to you know like to really get back to why i fucking love music and why i love live music specifically was you know, that kind of show where kids jump on each other and scream with one another and, you know, really commune together, like fully, you know, because I feel like communication is something that everybody on the planet is searching for in some sort of way is that sort of um, oneness, you know, that sort of like being able to relate to something, to anything. And to be able to be a part of that and to drive, you know, a, a band towards that goal is, is really, really important for all of us, you know? And I think all of our other bands that we've all been in, that's been a core element. And I think that that's why it's, it's now doing well, you know, it's cause we just have kind of, we haven't really changed that ideal. You know, we kind of kept that at the center sure. and and I don't, I, I just don't even think it'll ever really leave. You know, I think it's uh, with most people in this scene of music, you know, it is like a part of who we are and like, it's a part of how we view music. And I hope it, I hope it never changes, you know, cause it just is so powerful. I haven't really found another genre of music that can do that. You know, it, and that takes us like that, that statement right there is just something that I want people to, really like latch onto and like resonate with. Cause that, that, that takes us to like right now, obviously no pressure has got some shows coming up, you know, like uh, in Europe uh, this summer and I'm sure more will be popping up, but, but what you just said, I think is what I, I want people to kind of like leave this conversation with. Um, Cause I, I think that community aspect has, has brought in you to, I can just hear it in your voice, like, like a, a good place. Yeah, um, man. And uh, you know, I, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, Bro, it's thank been, you for having me, man. This has been, been awesome. It's been so cool. This is the first one I've ever done, too. It's it very, blows very my cool. Mind. Blows my mind <laughs> in this case, but I'm, I'm happy it's me. And I'm happy that you, you know, you felt comfortable, uh, you know, being candid and, and straightforward, you know, with me about, you know, your feelings and, and everything. Um, totally. You know, but uh, for everybody listening, if you enjoyed this episode, I want to once again thank you for joining us. If you want to support this podcast, you can subscribe to our Patreon at www.
patreon.com slash forum of passion. Until next time, stay safe.